learn to stop worrying and love the psych out. Note I didn't say bomb. No reference to Dr. Strange love there. But what a strange time in which we live. Tulsi Gabbard subbing for Tucker Carlson. Hmm. Maybe she'll sub for me. <laughs> Greetings to you, Crusaders across the amber waves of the great blue election heist. Your kind, gentle, humble host, Mike Church, reporting for duty on a Tuesday, asking a question of the day. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Well, I'll tell you. So Obama's third term now, he survives the midterms. No, no, He improves in the midterms. Into the first galactic empire! Our call in line telephone number if you'd like to be on the program today, call us at 844. We actually had three calls yesterday. I'm not going to get used to it, but so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, we're saying there's a chance. 844-527-8723. I must say that since uh, moving here to Studio Saint Michel, uh, the um, uh, and we had the same service, it's, it's Spectrum Business. But new hardware and I guess new MoBeta cables, and the uh, the phone calls actually sound almost like iPhone calls, most of them, uh, meaning they come through so nice and crisp and clear, uh, with no static. So it's uh, it good to hear from Ted, and who else called yesterday? Ted and uh, from uh, Cape Cod, Mike from Cape Cod. Uh, 844-527-8723, our call-in line telephone number, 844-5-CRUSADE. Email me directly. My email address is the same as it ever has been. I am kingdude at protonmail.com, kingdude at mikechurch.com. Works as well. An official website for all things yours truly, moi, is online at mikechurch.com. Today's pile of prep is freshly minted. There's a brand-new substack from yesterday at thekingdude.substack.com. Everybody is asking the question. Everybody is talking about the Great Blue Heist. What I am calling the Great Blue Heist. The Great Election Steal of 2022, which comes on the tail of the Great Election Steal of 2020, which comes on the tail of the Great Election Heist of 2018. As the Democrat Party now moves, uh, federally or nationally speaking, into a position of permanence. Just as we told you and predicted in January of 2021, it is unfortunately coming to fruition. 
There's an article today at the American Thinker by, is it Fletch? Fletch Daniels? That basically uh, says what I was saying to you yesterday. And that is that there is no longer a path to victory for any Republican wishing to be president. It's a fool's errand now. There is no, let me repeat this. There is no path to victory. The Democrats gambit has paid off and they have now solidified that Pennsylvania and Michigan are forever more solidly indigo blue. And because the mail-in ballot system is so rife with fraud, no Republican under these conditions will ever win Pennsylvania or Michigan again. It's over. Which should beg the question in most people's mind, well, if that's the case, and we only supposedly have two political parties, and supposedly this is the system because of the Constitution and the state constitutions that we're stuck with, what the hell are we supposed to do, you moron? Good question. It is a good question. You're going to be told, just like we were told, and again, I slipped up for 10 days and I had Fox News on, and I almost fell back into the, we got to vote, hope, and cope, and get out there. We have civic duty. If you can, if you can mitigate the damage, then you must get out there and do it. I still believe that you shouldn't try to mitigate the damage, but we should be mitigating the damage through other means. And voting ain't it. You saying that we shouldn't even vote for mayor or Teddy Carter anymore? I'm saying again, like I said about the school boards, why do school boards exist? The hell's the point of a school board? To pave the way for permanent grooming of children. And to make it so that it has some official imprimatur attached to it. That's what a school board does. Well, the school board in this county, we're relying on our school board. That gives you some air of legitimacy, does it not? Makes it say that, oh, no, the government-run school system, is, it, no, it's got its pimples. Oh, it's, it, it's flawed. It's got its problems. But it's better than anything else we have. And besides, women have to go out to work, two jobs. We need the schools to care for the children. We don't have to old school. Better chart plays. You're making it too difficult. This really is properly analyzed and properly understood. Quite the pickle they have us in. But we have them right where we want them. Because they think, again... They're unbeatable now. Let's just give you a passing milestone here. It looks like to me, again, I'm not an expert on elections. I only play one on the radio. But it looks like to me that the fix was in in Arizona, and there is now no path to victory for Carrie Lake to become governor. Now, you could say 101 things to Sunday about that particular, quote, election farce, if you will. But here is the most glaring and obvious of all. It's called a conflict of interest. When a case comes before a judge, 
doesn't matter if it's lo- uh, local, county, or state, or federal, if it is thought, or if the judge, because he's acting all ethically, e e and th- if the judge or other people believe that the judge have what's called a conflict of interest, it is customary, it's not mandatory, but this is one of these obedience to the unenforceables, it is customary to do what's called recuse oneself. And when you recuse yourself, then you're saying to the legislative or judicial body that, that be that, Hey, man, I know the guy. I built his house, and he still owes me money. <laughs> uh, I cannot sit in judgment uh, with him as a skipper out on bills of larceny or whatever you're, you're, that he's being accused of. So I'm recusing myself. The case would go to another judge. The woman that's running against Carrie Lake is the Secretary of State of Arizona. Now, I'm only going to, I'm only doing this just to kind of paint the picture just to show you how far from the bow idea we are to the evil that we are now apparently stuck with. And it's because of the permanent grooming and psyoping these bastards subject us to, all of us. Katie Hobbs is then, was elected, and at least part of her duties is to supervise, she is the ultimate supervisor of all the elections in Arizona. Here in Louisiana, uh, a man named Kyle Ardoin, some of you in uh, South Central Louisiana may say Ardoin, Ardoin, it's French, A-R-D-O-N, um, I know because my nonprofit, the Crusader Radio Guild, which is a real thing, and the Black Hat Studios are all registered through the state of Louisiana and the Secretary of State's office. So um, whenever I need to make a change, like when we moved here, I had to change the address and what have you here because I like to stay in good standing with the, uh, with the state. So uh, I, I, I visit the site, and I have to do filings on certain things. I'm probably there six times a year. I'm on the revenue side of the, uh, the, the state at least once a month to, to file sales tax re- returns and whatnot. Again, I don't get paid for this. I think this is another crime. The, 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 this is another part of this system here that, so I am on the hook to collect taxes from people that buy things from me. I have to keep the money. I have to store it. I have to safeguard it with my life. And then I have to spend my time or pay someone to spend their time to figure out how much we owe them that they ordered me to collect and then I had to remit it to them. Now I can remit it electronically. Now you used to have to mail a you used to mail a check, and now you're at the cost of a stamp and a letter and whatnot. When you start thinking about this system, there really isn't very much good to preserve in it. But let me go back to the Secretary of State. If Kyle Ardwan decided he was going to run coming up in 2024. Four, I guess, for governor against, say, Attorney General Jeff, now Attorney General Jeff Landry, because Kyle Ardwin actually is in charge of supervising the elections as Secretary of State. I would be the first to raise my hand, and I have no objection to Kyle, Kyle Ardwin. He's been a fine Secretary of State 
You need to sit out a term or you need to resign. Resign and let Emperor uh, uh, John uh, Bell, uh, Napoleon Bell Bonaparte IV appoint a successor to you and then another one will be elected. So to me, the ethical thing to do would be for Kyle Ardwin to resign his position and then run for governor and say, I won't have anything to do with the election. That's not what Katie Hobbs did. Katie Hobbs did the opposite. There's nothing to see here, you little feckless citizens, you little red peasants. Move along. I can, I can become saying I can carry out my duty as Secretary of State and still run for a higher office and help count the votes. Anybody see a problem with this? No, I'm bringing this up now because I wasn't following this election because I don't live in Arizona. Why didn't Carrie Lake bring this up at the start of Katie Hobbs's campaign? Why didn't the current governor of Arizona, why didn't the people of Arizona, why didn't the uh, Tempe, Arizona Tribune, why didn't the, 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 the CBS station that Carrie Lake worked for in Tucson, why didn't they bring this up? Why weren't there editorials? Where weren't people in the Democrat Party saying this is a compromise? She's compromised. She needs to recuse herself. Because just the other day, in a room filled <laughs> with filled out mail-in ballots, there was Katie Hobbs, Secretary of State, just a sashaying around, touching the ballots, looking at the stacks, picking them up and weighing them. Now, we're watching this. We're going like, what the hell is going on here? Well, here's what's going on. This system of tyranny doesn't have any ethics built into it. There is no obedience to the unenforceable. And it's not going to fix itself because the people that are participating in it have spent an entire life being groomed to perpetuate it. What do you propose to do about that? We're going to get tougher election laws. I think elections are actually the problem. You know, Fiorella was just basically challenging me to become the radical of my day and to say every age has someone that, 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 that campaigns against the norm, against the status quo. Well, if there's someone, let the record reflect. This got to be another way, and there is another way, and we must find it. It is not your civic duty to go out and vote. It is your civic duty for the sake of your children and your progeny to find another way because this one is completely and irrevocably busted. By the by, <clears throat> while we're on this subject here, let me just to say, uh, I'll repeat what I said to Fiorella because some of you may not have heard it, and some of you may already know it because you're sharp cookies and you're reading some of the same stuff that I'm reading. Maybe you just don't have as much time because you have an actual, you have a real job. <laughs> like my father-in-law likes to joke to me all the time, church, what you do, that ain't work. <laughs> you sitting down and yapping into a mic, that's not work. All right, okay, dude. Okay, pops, you're right, not work. 68% of all unmarried women are registered Democrat. And it appears, if you're to believe the finicky exit polls, that 68% of those women, that all that 100% of that percent of them did what they were supposed to do, which was to go out and 
vote on the side uh, of the diabolic fake sacrament that is murdering the soon-to-be-born abortion. So when Maggie brought this up to me this morning and said, well, you know, they're, they're, what's the solution to this? And this guy was writing about this. This guy, Crisis Magazine, is writing about it. It's a very good piece. We're going to get into it. The Bureaugamy. The Bureaugamy. I'm sorry. He comes to the proper demographic conclusion. That is a blue wall. That is a blue wall. That is an evil wall. That is a wall of pure, unmitigated, murderous evil. It's like a Terminator. <laughs> Especially when it comes to old people and babies. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. It's campaigning for us for our death. It may not think that that's what it's doing. Because the philosophers teach us, St. Thomas Aquinas included, that what men do, all men do everything they do for what they perceive to be a good. There's nothing good about abortion. There's nothing good about laying babies into trash cans and letting them cry themselves to death because they survived an abortion. What kind of a barbaric, ghastly people allow that? Hmm? What kind of a ghastly, barbaric people know that that's happening 50 miles away on the other side of this thing called a state border and do nothing about it? And instead say, well, those people are going to have to vote against that. Just stop with the voting. Stop. As I was telling Mr. Barrett yesterday or on Friday, here in this state of Louisiana, we're pretty blessed. When our pro-love life amendments and our constitutional amendments, are to, there are two now, we're on the ballot. Actually, there's three because there's a marriage amendment against uh, sodomites and lesbians getting marriage here in this state. When they're on the ballot in this state, they don't not only pass, the Love Life Amendment passed like 78-22, the previous Constitution Amendment passed by a similar margin, and our prohibition against uh, anyone being married outside of one man, one woman, that amendment also passed in the high 70s. So when something goes on the ballot here, it's not this 51-49 BS horse race to perdition. Here's a question, though. Is it really a 51-49 proposition in Arizona? In Michigan, is it really a 54-46 proposition? Wait a minute, it's even worse than that. I'm thinking Montana. Montana was 54-46. Is it really? Are there really enough blue tards in the western part of Montana? And at the University of Montana and the uh, university, there's two major universities. Um, are there really enough? And many of most of those are out of staters. <laughs> they, they can't vote. There is a sickness. And it's a sickness of the mind and it's a sickness of the intellect. But you can't write an advertising campaign to undo. And if you were to do so, it would take years of counter-grooming. 
So this guy that writes this piece at the American Thinker, and I'm going to put my glasses on. For those of you watching on Crusade Channel TV, you'll just have to suffer through the glare. The two states where the impact was most obvious were Pennsylvania and Michigan. But it snuffed out real Republican chances all over the map in states where the Democrats control voting laws. Pennsylvania literally elected a dead man, and I'm not even talking about the pro-crime radical with such severe brain damage or Dane Bramage that he can't form a coherent sentence. With two of our kids having gone to college in Michigan, we spend a fair amount of time visiting there. As near as I can tell, the only Michigan residents who actually like Gretchen Dimwitmer are in her immediate family. And yet she easily beat an impressive Republican candidate. In a fair election, Tudor Dixon wins that race easily. But that's the point. These aren't fair elections. They are rigged. And even great candidates taking on miserable ones, miserable ones go down in flames. The lone bright spot out of Michigan was John James winning Michigan 10. The other narrative that's being tossed around is that Republicans had poor candidates. Again, this is to be expected since many people are using the election to attack Trump. Now, I've actually heard this and I've seen some people that I actually know <clears throat> talking about this on Twitter and on the Internet. But this is the Republicans need to learn their lessons in nominating bad MAGA candidates. I don't think Carrie Lake is a bad candidate. I don't think that Doug Mastriano was a bad candidate. He's a family guy. Yeah, he's a little too neocon for me. He's a pro-lifer. He's pro-undoing AB 77 out of Pennsylvania. He is a veteran, and he joined the uh, this man's army back in the 90s when it was supposedly, and many men think th thought that it was, we can disagree over that today, the patriotic thing to do. What exactly is not to like him? Well, he wasn't so good on the campaign trail. So we're not electing then good charitable, God-fearing Christian men and women to discharge a solemn duty. We're having a popularity contest to see who looks best. That's right, Mike. Nixon versus Nixon. Better say Kennedy. It's all been down there. Yeah, 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 I get that. Was Josh Shapiro that much of a superior candidate? Baloney. Baloney. Was Mehmet Oz? Somebody was telling me, you'd be Mehmet Oz with your bad candidate. The dude was number one in his time slot for like 15 years. In a very competitive afternoon television, uh, afternoon drive or after mid-afternoon uh, spot where he's competing against uh, uh, against CB and the other, the other networks. That's not, that's not the hallmark of someone that people that can't communicate with people. Was Mehmet Oz a great philosophical or a political candidate? Well, I don't, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time watching it. But like Trump, he does pretty good in front of a television monitor. And again, he was a personality enough that people were fleecing Dr. Oz by saying, hey, when he would talk about something, he'd go like, don't, 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 remember? Oz would say, and don't believe those emails. I did not endorse this or that or the other. So apparently he was popular, uh, popular enough in afternoon soap opera television for the same women. And all of a sudden, because he decided to run for the Senate, they turned on him and he became unlikable baloney. Well, they were also saying it was a major uh, decision breaker for most women when Oprah, who claimed to be his dear friend, came out for Fetterman.
So that may have have changed a lot. That of just women's shows lives. that Oprah is brain damaged. <laughs> That's all that shows, and that she's a terrible judge of character. So this, I, I just want to dispense with all this because I'm just I'm like most of you, I'm sick of it. Dispense with this nonsense that there was you oh these bad MAGA candidate. Hey, jackass. Trump is 175 to 10 now. It was 172 to 90. It was 175 to 10 now in candidates that he endured. Yeah, but Kerry Lake is good. I do not believe for a nanosecond that the unlikable, detestable Katie Hobbs beat the likable Kerry Lake. And if you want to talk about a beauty pageant, well, who wins? Watch right. The fat black boy who was in one the other day who beat 25 beautiful 15, 16-year-old girls. Did you see this is overflowing slob of a black boy pretending to be a black girl who looked like it was three of the other little waifs that are on the stage to him was awarded Miss Whatever. How about Miss, <laughs> Miss, in, Miss Insincerity? Or Miss Greater Dairy. And it looked like, yeah, he's a Greater Dairy, all right. He looks like a heifer. So all of this, not with the Republican, they had bad candidates. They had bad candidates every year. And by the way, who in the hell would want to run in this environment? Knowing that if you get close to winning, they're going to dox your family. They're going to Brett Kavanaugh show up on your lawn. Don't lecture me about bad candidates. That's complete and total BS. Was Barney Frank a good candidate? <laughs> he won every election he was ever in. Look at that airhead moron in Massachusetts, Ed Edmund Markey. Well, uh, there was a, the reason that we had to pass the bill was because of uh, the planes. Uh, There's cargo in the uh, cargo holding the planes. And uh, we don't know what's in the cargo. I, I, I'm actually mocking him for, I can't remember the bill. It was back in 2006 or seven. The guy is a, he can't, that guy could not pass an SET score test. Edmund Markey. Oh, but yes, he's in, uh, uh, the American political class is not made up of the brightest and sharpest tools in the shed. It is made up primarily of those most willing to assault those that they represent and take the money and throw it over their shoulder in a sack like they're Santa frickin' Claus and then drive off in their front-wheel drive electric sleigh to go spend it on Heaven knows what they shouldn't be spending it on. But how did this happen? Grooming. Grooming. As we learn more about the term, you know, junk bomb would call it a psyop, psychological operation. We now call it grooming for other reasons, but the single unmarried women that we've been speaking of, that's the product of psychological manipulation, a lifetime of it. And as I asked the question when we started this at 6.23 a.m. this morning, what do you propose to do about it? Give me your solution. Because you can't, no amount of advertising dollars. That's the other thing I'm hearing. But the Democrats outspent, yeah, yeah, they. but they do always do that. 
they always outspend and they always have in the tank media. This is nothing new. These are status quo people that want the status quo to survive. You know why? Because at the end of the day, it's a grift. It's a, we're going to get them in 2024. No, you're not. No, you're not. No one, and I don't care if it's Donald Trump, is going to win Pennsylvania with truckloads of mail-in ballots coming from God knows where, still be able, able, to, able to be dumped anywhere at any time and be counted. If any mail-in ballots are allowed to be counted, the blue wall will stand. This is why I like this piece by Fletch Daniels. This is the Mike Churchill here on the Crusade Channel, always on air, always online at crusadechannel.com. This portion of the program brought to you by Founders Pass gift memberships. I looked. Nobody gave a gift membership yesterday. If you did, nobody cashed it in. Why is that? I should be able to go every day. I wish to be able to go. I pray. I beg. I plead. Please, blessed mother, just one. Just one gift membership today. No, even though some of you give them away, your friends don't cash them in until, what, 2029 or something? <laughs> They're only good for a year, by the by, so you got 12 months from when you hit send to get your friend to actually go and click the link, put a password in, choose the username, and they make it official. But don't stop giving them. We, we, we're just, we're playing the odds now. So apparently we need a thousand gift memberships given away to activate 200. Are you in? It's one year at $165, but you can name your own price. Whatever you can afford, you put that in the box at the top of the page. Crusadechannel.com forward slash gift. You need your friend's name, a real email address, a real name, your phone number won't hurt, and your credit card number, and BAMO. Crusadechannel.com forward slash gift takes less than a minute to fill it out, and you will be carbon copied on the receipt, and you'll see that your buddy actually got it. So how about doing a gift membership or 15 today? Go to Crusadechannel.com forward slash gift, and when you hit send, that will tell me that I sent you. And thank you in advance. The other narrative that's being touted is that Republicans had poor candidates. Again, this is to be expected since many people are using the election to attack former President Trump, but it's a foolish take. But across the board, Republican candidates were far superior to those the Democrats put up with only a few exceptions. I'm even skeptical of the claim I'm seeing banded about that David McCormick would have won the Senate seat in Pennsylvania had Trump not interfered. Uh, maybe. But considering that there were enough ballots flooding the zone to elect the worst candidate in recent memory, I doubt it. The Democrat media like to label Republican politicians as election deniers and ask them to swear fealty oaths declaring that they believe that all elections are fair and legitimate. But I'd be hard-pressed to find a single Republican who still believes that our elections are fair since the lack of, of logic and common sense needed to believe such a proposition would likely make them ostriches or democrats. That's a crisis in and of itself, the kind of crisis that can lead to a horrible unraveling that nobody should want. Well, you know what, Fletch? Why shouldn't we want it? Again, the pressure is coming that it's your civic duty to vote, even from very loud Catholic voices. 
It's your civic duty to vote. You got to get in there. You got to get in there. You got to get in there. You got to get Why? Because you must try and mitigate the damage. What if your vote to mitigate the damage isn't counted and doesn't matter? What if by the fact that I actually went and showed up, they used it against me to go like, and she and even had great turnout. We still won because murdering babies and old people is still preferred by most Marbicans. Maggie, do your best Drudge voice. What's the headline at Drudge today? Let's get our Drudge Minute here for our Drudge Maggie Minute here. Here we go. <laughs> it's just one. Lake runs dry. <laughs> Lake runs dry. Good job, good job. Lake runs dry. Carrie is out of water. Let me tell you something. All of Arizona is out of water. <laughs> Literally out of water. Republicans used to joke about needing to win uh, above the margin of fraud, which was generally accepted to be relatively small. But now the Democrats can flood the election zones with ballots that they can collect over the course of weeks. That is now far too steep a hill to climb in all but the reddest areas. Every ballot they send out is easy to convert into a vote. It has taken states off the competitive map. Democrat officials mail out massive numbers of ballots to people who would never bother to vote. And their operatives collect these ballots and run up the score. It effectively eliminates the concept of the low propensity voter since operatives see to it that all the ballots are requested and rounded up. Within these ballot collection systems, there are no effective checks in place to stop voter fraud and Democrats resist any attempt to apply any form of ID requirement. That's a feature of the system now. It is meant to open the door to massive fraud that is virtually undetectable. Considering how fast Pennsylvania was called, does anyone really think they were validating the mail-in ballots? Throw them all in together and count them, both the good and the bad. That's the name of the game, and in close states, it's nearly foolproof. It's going to be very hard for Republicans to win back the White House with key states now being blocked. Trump shocked the world in 2016 by picking off Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. Using the corona doom as the excuse, Democrats have successfully rigged the system in all three states so that it never happens again. I don't care who run who run runs as Republicans. In 2024, he will be hard-pressed to overcome the ballot harvesting in these states. The red wave crashed on Florida because this is not allowed. You know, Maggie was making this point earlier. What is it that distinguishes Florida from all of the other states? And why was this, and, and, and for all practical intents and purposes, don't give me this bull crap either. Ron DeSantis was a MAGA guy. Trump bailed him out in 2017. That's a fact. That story that Trump told the other day, about DeSantis's campaign flagging. I was there. I remember. And I remember talking about how is this guy who's a crackhead beating a good man in DeSantis? Well, who turned it around? Trump turned it around. And so all of a sudden, DeSantis goes from being barely able to beat the agriculture secretary, Marion Barry wannabe, Andrew Gillum, 
to now dusting the floor with the tried and true Democrat politico Charlie Chris by double digits, and Marco Rubio wins almost by double digits against Val Demings, who is one of their prize rising stars. No. No mail-in ballots. A real red wave and a real wave of people that left the horrors of Corona Doom blue hells and moved to Florida for safety and security. And the Trey Clavis, uh, Trey uh, um, Clay Travis, who uh, was one of the guys that's replaced Limbaugh, was tweeting out yesterday about uh, we shouldn't underestimate the purple wave of people that fled blue state and moved to red states, and that's why the red states got stronger and they were fortified. And I believe that that is true, partially, but that's as far as it goes. Sitting back and saying that, well, just wait until apportionment, just wait until they do a realignment and they redraw the congressional districts. They're not going to be redrawn in Republicans' favors in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin. It doesn't matter who owns the legislatures who are supposed to be doing the withdrawing. Actually, the withdrawing or the the redrawing is supposed to be done by virtue of the fact of how many people, who lives where. But this is, again, just a part of the tyranny and control system. The congressional districts are drawn so that people in a district like mine, where Steve Scalise is my congressman, feel as though my vote and my opinion matter because Steve is kind of sometimes like me. And then I dutifully go off and vote for him every four years. It is meant to reinforce the stereotype of the two-party failed system but present it as not being a failure. How many of the votes in Miami-Dade would have flipped had operatives pressured residents to hand over ballots? Democrats are angry that they couldn't effectively, uh, effectively manipulate the Florida victories. And we saw this with Anna Navarro losing it on national television the day after the Florida vote. And we weren't allowed, the Democrats aren't allowed to go in there and collect all the How come it's never conservatives and Republican voters that are disenfranchised? How come it's always only the Democrat voters? Well, it's because there aren't enough of them. Even with The blue slut wall. I'm trying to think of a name that just really just pisses them off when they hear it. For these 30, 68% pro baby murder single women. The bimbo wall. The blue bimbo wall. The blue bimbo brigade. How about that? That's right. The blue bimbo brigades for the win. The Republican state party, uh, uh, state party in the ballot collecting blue states will need to adjust to this new environment and start ballot collecting itself. But this is what they're you're not understanding, Fletch. That matches your, his Build Back Better. See, Build Back Better, Blue Bimbo Brigade. Brigade. We got our own BBB. We don't need you, Biden. But, Fletch, you're not understanding, bro. It doesn't matter if, we, if like, 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 Tommy has been telling Barrett and me, Democrats. Republicans got to start learning how to count ballots, not voters like Democrats do. 
So learn how to cheat. Because it's not just that they collect ballots, guys. They collect ballots that aren't votes. They're not, if they are real people, they certainly never consented to vote for the near-dead John Fetterman, for example. Instead, whatever the bribe or whatever the uh, enticement is, is lured out. No, look, all you're going to do is let us send it to your address. Somebody will come around and pick it up. You don't have to do anything. You don't even have to sign it. You don't have to date it. You don't have to, you don't have to check a box. We'll take care of all of it. We're just going to mail it to you. You just sit it on your counter, and when our guy comes around, they collect it. Do you really want the good guy team doing that to win elections? No. The system, because they've made it now illegitimate and irrevocably broken, we just need to walk away from it. And if your state won't do it, then you're going to have to move to another state. Or just deal with it. Find a hilltop. Dig a moat, grow your own food. There you go. There's your there, find a church that you can go to that's reliable and support sacred tradition. Just, I, 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 am I talking in the dead air here? Do you do, do do you guys and gals that are listening call me 844-527-8723. I genuinely want to know. Do you really think? Let's put God in this. That in order to, to, to win these things called elections and to supposedly have political power return, returned and restored, that you should that we should play the cheating game that they play and manufacture out of thin air votes for our kids and our team. Do you think like this when your kid goes off to play a tournament in a hostile environment in Little League Baseball? You want them to cheat too? Obviously, when you're dealing with a system that is now made up of immoral, illicit irregularities, it's the system. If it's allowed that, then it's a bad system, and it needs to be getting rid of. You know, this foolhardy belief, now we're going to get them in 2020. Why, why? Why wait two years? How many children will be groomed? will be converted into girls going to boys and boys going to girls? How many babies will be murdered in their mother's womb in the next two years while you wait for the 2024 vote? Many of us have welcomed secession. Had our neighbors to the north practiced the less bellicose form of persuasion, perhaps this day might not have come, but that day has been thrust upon us like it was thrust upon our ancestors the Lincoln administration required us to raise three regiments. Tell them we have done so. The Crusade Channel, your 24-7 news, talk, and solutions radio station. Now beaming our signal to the entire human race via shortwave at 5850 kilohertz. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you? Seen in the Weird Al movie Weird, where Queen, the guy who's the bass player for Queen, 
X's Weird Al to come on stage and do his parody of Another One Bites the Bus at this thing called Live Aid that they put together. <laughs> and Daniel Radcliffe, you want me to come play at Live Aid? I don't even know what that is, but yeah! I can stand the feet, I only bring it up because I think the Bonehead was in the first Live Aid. Mike Church Show here. The King Dude reporting for duty here on a Tuesday. We actually got rain last night. Yay, rain! As we head towards the Have Yourself a Merry and Manly Little Christmas on-air competition and sweepstakes. And uh, we now have most of our um, gift sets. For Christmas in the Founders Trading Post. So let's make that the sponsor of this segment. Go to shop.mikechurch.com and check them out. You get, uh, we had the ladies covered. We have the girls covered. We had the men covered. And we had the boys covered. We have coffee lovers covered. We have cigar lovers covered. We have book lovers covered. We have all of you covered. And they're, most of them are customizable. Meaning there's not enough of a gift pack in there. Just use the box and go like, no, TKD, I want four of those. Not a measly two. So shop.mikechurch.com. Please tell your friends and family. And by the by, Wendy, have yourself a merry or manly little Christmas on-air uh, sweepstake contest begins the Monday after the uh, Thanksgiving. Um, you will be able to, uh, in the contest and on the website at shop.mikechurch.com, pay your ticket purchase forward. I had suggested that American Heritage Girls and Troops of St. George could also compete for their very own prize pack for one lucky uh, boy and girl troop anywhere in the U.S. But when I mentioned it last week and I asked for audience participation, yay or nay, as usual, what did I get? Zero point. So I'm going to bail on the idea after mentioning it today. If I don't, if someone doesn't say, "Hey, I think that's a great idea. We have a troop here. We have a troop here. We have a troop here. We have a troop here." <clears throat> I can't make people participate in things. So maybe you're busy, or maybe there there's only two troops of St. George troops in the world: the one that I know here, and the, <laughs> the one that's in uh, Lake Charles. <laughs> uh, again, I am hiding in plain sight. I am King Dude at ProtonMail.com, King Dude at MikeChurch.com, or Maggie can be reached, sales at MikeChurch.com, or you can contact her in the chat room, CrusadeChannel.com forward slash chat. I want to stay on the same subject because we have very little audio here today. By the by, uh, Archbishop Wilton Gregory has slaughtered, or Cardinal Greg, I'm sorry has massacred the annual pro-life march mass. The youth rally in mass for life 2023 has been canceled. You know why? Because look, adopt, adopt, please. We don't need any more pro-life activism. No one's killing babies anymore. It's over. What more do you want? You got rid of Dobbs? Yeah, you want us to act all Bishop E.E. and stuff and ask the children to drive and risk their lives and come all the way to Washington and have a mass? Please, Lumberg, you should do that where you live. I can't be bothered with saving lives. I'm a cardinal, for heaven's sake, and Papa Francis is 
Catholic Church. Look, I got sodomites and heretics to care for, okay? They need the sacraments a lot more than you sniveling brats. In a church plate, you're being very disrespectful to a man that disrespects and scandalizes me every, every Sunday or you when you choose not to receive the blessed sacrament because you're not in a state of grace. But then he gives it to Pelosi and to Biden, two of the biggest pro-murder of the soon-to-be-born in the history of mankind. Yeah, I, uh, I, I kind of miss that. I Some respect there is due. You don't understand the prediction, then. Uh, I understand the position that he has chosen to not place himself in. As most bishops have, again, almost all of what we're seeing today that we think is bad does not occur, number one, if the USCCB is never formed, and number two, if the Association of American Bishops stands up to the pederast and the groomers and says, you release that and we will campaign and demand that every Catholic in the United States not have anything to do with you or anything that you've ever made. You understand? Because this is how obedience to the unenforceable, and you don't need government to enforce it. God is the government. His rights are to be protected and defended. But now, apparently, youths don't need to act all pro-life e and after a consultation progress that involved dialogue with other dioceses, hey, this sounds like one of these stinky synods I keep hearing about. Ministry leaders and the partners who assist the diocese in hosting their annual rally in mass. The Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Washington has decided not to move forward with hosting the larger multi-diocese rally. Cop out. Absolute and total capitulation to whatever powers that be that exerted pressure. Hey, enough. You got your stupid Dobbs decision. The baby murder, murdering industry has taken a hit. You need to help us out, bro. For over 25 years, the Youth Rally and Mass for Life has blessed us with the opportunity to host and minister to thousands of our local youths and hundreds of thousands more from across our great nation. As a difficult a decision as it was to cancel, we encourage groups traveling to Mordor to participate in the National March for Life at the National Mall. So what you're saying then is that the Diocese of Washington will not stand on the side of life and put itself in the, quote, line of fire over the Dobbs decision. The correct Dobbs decision. With all due respect, sir, your eminence, your, your excellency, no, he's an eminence. Um, you got a red hat. Why is it red? Can you explain to me why the hat is red? And I'll shut up. You'll never hear from me again. I'll never even mention your name. All I will do is walk behind you and throw a rose. I'll walk in front of you and throw rose petals for you to walk on. If you can explain to me why the, red, the hat was red and what that means, 
for you as a cardinal and for you as a, as a bishop uh, or in your bishopric? <clears throat> it's not a trick question. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm seriously asking for a friend. Why is the hat red? And this is just, <laughs> this is meant to depress people like us. This is released nationally, not so that it goes out to the Utes that were going to go to this shindig and are now not going to go to it. It is released and timed to depress us. Sad state of affairs, but the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops seems to me to be actively attempting to drive Catholics from the Catholic Church. Now, I don't know what they're trying to drive us into. Because they don't buddy-buddy up with Protestant denominations or anything. They are seen from time to time, though, with noted Satanists. So am I supposed to join Anton LaVey's First Church of Satan? Asking for a friend again. I don't understand. I really don't. You know, on Thursday, I'm going to ask Father uh, Altman this question. We'll be blessed with 45-minute audience with Father Altman on Thursday. Uh, I'm going to ask Father Altman this question. What are they trying to do? What, 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 what is going, what's the end game here? You know, every act has, a, there's a purpose behind every act. So what's the purpose behind this one? And then there's more about it being a difficult decision. May God guide you, protect you, and bless you always, he concludes. Really, dude? <laughs> After dropping the hammer and sickle, and tens of thousands of youths that look forward to every year make, making that part of their march for life. You know, it'd be interesting to see just how few now turn out now that Dobbs has ended Rook. How few. By the by, when we went on air, it was 217 to 205 Republicans over Democrats. Uh, the Republican Party only needed one more victory to claim the House of Representatives, which would have somewhat of a mitigating, mitigate, mitigating effect against the Biden regime and would at least halt much of what Schmuckle Schumer and the gang would attempt to do in uh, the U.S. Senate. So uh, uh, as soon as the one vote is tallied and it's official when it's 218, which is the number needed for a majority, I will let you know. All right, let me. I want to continue on. Uh, and, and, and by the way, uh, your eminence and your eminences and excellencies, as you sit out there and watch the human sacrifice of babies continue all across this continent, as you watch the numbers of young ladies grow who are brought into the groomed fold that they should remain sterile, single, and childless the rest of their lives. You're only playing into the hands of the Malthusian wackos running the World Economic Forum and the rest of the New World Order, whatever the hell you wish to call it. When we have news like this, now, th now this is a news story. This is a, a, a science-based news story.
that has immediate bearing on what it is that I'm talking about. Here, listen. It's from The Guardian. Humans could face reproductive crises as sperm count declines, study five. Now, in case you didn't know, sperm counts have been declining since basically the introduction of high fructose corn syrup, glyphosate, and massive amounts of bad soy into the U.S. food system. This was then exacerbated by millions upon millions of young women being groomed to take what's called the orthonovum or whatever other brand name, birth control pill, and then they, in turn, micturate the female steroids into the water supply. Little boys drink them, and all of a sudden, the little boys are impotent. Why? Because their bodies are going like, no, I'm a chick. But their chromosomes are going like, oh, you're a dude. Yeah, but I'm drinking all these female gay frog hormones and stuff. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the freaking frogs gay. Do you understand that? Turn the freaking frogs gay. And they weren't, he was wrong about that. They're not putting chemicals in the water. This was an estuary outside the University of Colorado where this first became apparent. And the Department of Wildlife of the Colorado DWF could not figure out why the frog and fish population had declined to almost nothing. <laughs> they, they all died and they weren't breeding. So they started testing the water. And this is what they found out. There were so many thousands upon thousands of co-eds at the University of Colorado. I forget which water system it was. I'm sure Maggie can find the story. They were on the pill and were taking it regularly and then micturating into the toilet. And then because the sewer system there is one of the ones that scrubs the water, gets the solid out so the bugs can eat it, and then the water is supposedly purified and sent back into the estuary you can't filter out steroids. They don't filter. They're going to defy any filtration system. So the birth control pill steroids had just saturated that ecosystem. The lizards were dying. The frogs were dying. The fish were dying. And it didn't take long before the entire estuary was nearly kaput. Of course, they weren't able to do anything about it. I don't know what happened to it, but it was an ecological disaster that's been repeated dozens and dozens of times now. And every time it happens, just imagine if it's turning the frogs gay, <laughs> what's it doing to the boys in the same water system that are drinking similar water? Uh, yeah, that's right. It was in Boulder. Boulder Creek. Oh, Bo uh, Maggie's saying it was Boulder Creek in any event. This continues on. This is a Malthusian from the top-down event. If you don't know who the Reverend Thomas Malthus was, look it up. A study published by the journal uh, Human Reproduction Update based on 153 estimates from men who were probably unaware of their fertility suggests that the average sperm concentration fell from an estimated 101.2 per, per milliliter to 49 between 1973 and 2018, a drop of 
Total sperm counts fell by 62.3% during the same period. Research by the same team reported in 2017 found that sperm concentration had more than halved in the last 40 years. You want to explain that one to me? Look, I'm here all week. I, I, I'm asking for a friend. Moreover, the rate of decline appears to be increasing. Was it a signal or... The rate of decline appears to be increasing. Looking at the data collected in all continents since 1972, researchers found sperm concentrations declined by 1.16% per year. However, when they looked at only a data collected since the year 2000, the decline was 2.64% per year. So it's growing. Now, why is that? Well, here, uh, contaminants identified in Boulder Creek included ethinylestradiol, ethinylestradiol, a chemical used in most contraceptives, as well as other reproductive steroids produced naturally by humans. Estrogen-related chemicals found in the water included uh, uh, bisphenol A and phthalates associated with plastic. Now, we don't even know what the phthalates are doing. Which is why, if you ever had the chance, buy anything in glass and not plastic. That includes bottled water. I, I hate to say, better start playing with carrying the children. They're all crying. No one knows what the effect of the phthalates are. The phthalates is spelled P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. Phthalates, or however it's pronounced. This is basically what the plastic sheds when you introduce water into it. Now, here at the church house, so we try to get away from this after we realize this. Like many people around the world, we have a microwave oven. If you put what you're heating, your leftovers, in a plastic container and nuke that joker, the phthalates are being released. That's that. I've read a little bit of the research. Heat is one of the things that will cause the phthalates to be released. But nobody knows what they do. To my knowledge, there hasn't been a study about what the phthalates do. Maybe there is. I just haven't seen it. Associated with plastics, uh, nonophenols associated with detergents and pesticides. Most of the compounds came from products flushed down toilets and drains, according to the study's author, Mr. Norris. TKD, is there any good news to report today? Not that I know of. Oh, today's the feast of St. Albert the Great. That's good news. So there you go. Um, Back to the story from Nicola Davis at The Guardian. I think this is another signal that something is wrong with the globe. And that we need to do something about it. There's nothing wrong with the globe. There's something wrong with men not asking the question, well, just because we can do it, maybe we should ask the question, should we do it? I can sum up what's wrong, ma'am or sir. The question is not being asked just because we can do it. Should we do it? Uh, so, yes, I think it's a crisis that we had better tackle now before it may reach a tipping point, which may not be reversible, said Professor Hagai Levine, first 
uh, author of the research from Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Previous studies have suggested that fertility is compromised if sperm concentration falls below about 40 m per milliliter, a milliliter. While the latest estimate is above this threshold, Levine noted that this is a mean figure, an average figure, that means, uh, suggesting the percentage of men below this threshold will have increased. Such a decline clearly represents a decline in the capacity of the population to reproduce. While the study accounted for factors including age and how long men had gone without a, uh, an event and excluded men known to suffer from infertility, it has limitations, including that it did not look at other markers of sperm quality. What other ones are there? <laughs> uh, Alan Pacey, professor of, an of andrology at the University of Sheffield. Sheffield? Sheffield? Sheffield 13? who is not involved in the work, praised the analyses, but said he remained on the fence over whether there is a decline. Dude, you don't... <laughs> the fertility rates around the world have remained and are in decline. And it's not just because of the grooming. Part of it is because of fertility. And I, I'm talking about the potency here, <clears throat> both male and female. You can't just keep dumping the kind of crap that we're dumping into sewer systems and then reconsuming it after it's been filtered, you'll see. Reconsuming it and not expect that there's going to be adverse effects. Uh, with the problem being no one knows what the adverse effects are. So again, the question that it should be asked is not can you make this or that, but should you make it? And again, the mass transportation of food products is made possible primarily through the invention of injection-molded plastics and other uh, flexible and very cheap, very inexpensive containers. You know, if you had to ship everything in a giant crate, have you ever seen what a crate... I, I've actually seen this. Have you ever seen what a case... I'm just going to give you an example <clears throat> of Coca-Cola looked like when it, when it was shipped primarily on a railroad car from Atlanta to wherever, say 1920, 1915, 1920, somewhere up in there when they first started major exporting of Coca-Cola. Have you ever seen what the case looked like? Well, first of all, it was made out of wood. So you have to have, you've got to get the wood. You have to have the trees. you got to mill them. Then they have to be formed together properly. you got to cut it. Then you got to nail it together. And this is before there were plastics and nail guns and what have you here. So um, you had to uh, assemble in a pretty elaborate case. Then you had to figure out, okay, well, how are we going to keep the bottles inside of the wooden case from breaking while they're being shipped from Atlanta to New Orleans or wherever? And it was a, a, a system of padding, usually some form of straw, uh, uh, augmented by, they started with wood, but I, I think they ultimately went to some sort of, 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 of compressed wood or cardboard paper fibers or what have you. Uh, it was a very elaborate thing. I mean, it took it took a little while to pack a case of Coke, which is why it was such a treat to get a, a, a soft drink back in the day. 
You know, people weren't drinking them out of, and, and, and then what mitigated that? The invention of the two-liter bottle. The two-liter plastic bottle then made it possible and cheap to fill two liters of Coke or Sprite or how about a Fresca? A Fresca or whatever up and then ship it in a relatively cheap or inexpensive manner. And then you people weren't buying 16 or 12 ounce bottles of soft drinks any longer. They were buying a two liter. They were at home. And they were consuming it, right? They were then consuming it straight out the bottle. And then the restaurants got in on the ice because the restaurants used to serve bottles of soft drinks. Then this system was invented. Uh, one of them was called the Berg. I can't remember the rest of the guy's name. The invented was the Berg, where you could actually just concentrate the stuff that's in the Coke or the 7-Up or whatever into this stuff called syrup. And then you hook that to a water system that's then hooked to a CO2 tank. And bammo, you got instant carbonization, and you basically just assemble the drink on site. Oh, the wonders of modern technology. But what's the syrup stored in? It comes in, a, I, I used to work in a restaurant, but it comes in a cardboard case, and what's inside the cardboard case? A plastic bag. So plastics are, are used in food transportation everywhere. The FDA has declared that all the plastics used for food transportation are perfectly natural and safe and whatnot. Do we really believe that? <laughs> I'm asking for a minute. Church, please, is there anything the positive that you have to say? <laughs> well, I can still go to my local Piggly Wiggly. I can get a bottle of Coke, Dr. Pepper, made with cane sugar in a glass bottle. True story. There was a company that was out of uh, Arkansas. It was called Jones Soda. And when my daughters are little cheerings, we, um, I can't remember how we discovered them, but it was really cool because the Jones Soda Company used real cane sugar, not high fructose corn syrup, and shipped only in glass bottles. And there was a chance if you sent a photograph in, some childlike activity, to the Jones Soda Company, they may use it as the label, if you will, and they were screen printed, on a bottle of Jones Soda. Now, because Jones was shipping in glass bottles with aluminum caps, and the bottles didn't have labels on them, they were screen printed, uh, you know, Jones Soda was kind of expensive. It was like $1.25 a bottle or whatever. It wasn't cheap, so it still was a treat. The kids would collect the, they'd drink the soda and they'd collect the bottles, and it was, it was kind of a, a, a fun thing to do. That's the last I remember of soft drinks being any in any store that were in glass containers. You go to any packy sack, inconvenience hell hell store today, everything's in plastic bottles. And any event, I got sidetracked, and I'm. You know, I'm a recovering chatter, but I imagine that this is probably, because people love talking about food. And they also, you don't know what you're talking about. Sailors are perfectly, this, this, is a, this is a misdirection here. They're trying to get, it's just a news story, dude. Shut up. While it's unclear, and again, I'm reading from humans could face reproductive crisis as sperm count declines. While it is unclear what might be behind the apparent trend, one hypothesis is that endocrine-disrupting chemicals or other environmental factors may play a role acting on the fetus in the womb. Expert uh, factors such as smoking, 
Drinking, obesity, and poor diet might also play a role in a healthy lifestyle. May help to boost sperm count. Well, I got to fry some pork chops yesterday afternoon for Midas Church's Monday version of red beans and rice with andouille sausage. And I lamented the fact that I did not have a quart or so of lard. Instead, had to use vegetable oils and Crisco. Because I'm not blessed like some of you are and collect five-gallon containers of lard from your own hogs. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but I was thinking about it. When I was frying, I'm going, uh, I wish this was lard. And I, I, it was also, I was informed about a family member who was losing weight and is now not losing weight any longer and was, well, I'm not going to get into the details, but, you know, from what I've learned on Free Farm Friday and through the meat-only diet, the carnivore diet, and other things, animal fat is not a driver of obesity. High fructose corn syrup is. You are not going to be all this nonsense that they created to drive everyone into these artificial products called food Back in the 80s and 90s, you know, they had to demonize. They had to go after the pig. They had to go after the cow. We want lean. We want lean meats. Uh, now that I know better, I actually make sure that the fat on my steaks every when we have them on Sundays with the Cadiana steak seasoning, get yourself a bag of 20 at shop.mikechurch.com, I actually make sure that the fat is covered with the, with the, with the seasoning and that when I put it on the grill, I may take very good care to make sure that the fat is good and gets good and crispy. So that you you, you want to eat it. There's nothing harmful about eating and consuming animal fats. That is a lie. That's a whopper that they told to try and get people to eat the alternative and to poison their bodies and their systems with the alternative. Anyway. Mike Churchill here on the Crusade Channel, always on air, always online, crusadechannel.com. Let me give you the countdown of layoffs coming your way. I can't believe I have a tweet that's actually crossed double-digit likes, Maggie. I have a tweet that's crossed double-digit likes. Who is this The King Dude guy, and what have you done with Mike? Here, I'll read it to you. My brother-in-law is in the top 100 mortgage brokers in the U.S. Last month, he saw his 50 to 60 applications per month decline to 20, and only three were qualified. He had laid off. He had to lay off both of his assistants and told me, bro, this is worse than the 2008 crash. His market, Northern Virginia McMansions. By the way, he also told me that the three people that he got qualified couldn't afford McMansions. And that they were looking for modest three- and four-bedroom houses in the Northern Virginia area. They're not to be found. They're not to be there. He, he told me because there's almost no inventory. And the inventory that, that's there is so inflation overpriced. <clears throat> it's not worth even showing. Amazon is set to lay off around 10,000 workers in a move that would downsize the company's corporate employees by 3%. Uh, in August, it was revealed that Amazon had laid off 100,000 workers 
from, I hate the term workers, I really do, people from its overall workforce in a single financial quarter, which uh, came as the company lost $2 billion net for the second quarter of 2022. How much is it that they lost? $2 billion. $2 billion. Company has more than one and a half million employees worldwide, although most of these are hourly workers. 10,000 personal layoff account is the biggest single job cut company has ever done and is reported to focus on Amazon's Amazon's devices organization, including the voice assistant Alexa, as well as its retail division and in human resources. You know, I was reading something the other day. It was too complex and verbose to share it with the audience. I'm going like, I really want to do this story, but it just... It, it won't work in radio. But I can tell you the nuts and bolts of it. And I'm just going to paraphrase here, so I'm not giving you statistics that you should take off and go write your doctoral thesis on. <laughs> Very broad, big brush. Did you know that these things, these abominations called human resource departments, in some big companies, account for up to one-third of all their, quote, employees, close quote. I read that and I went, what? what? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You mean to tell me you got one-third of the people that you're on the hook to pay do nothing other than monitor and meddle in the lives of the other two-thirds. Because that's what human resources is. Let me get inside your head and screw with it. Who looks forward, if you work in one of these companies, who looks forward to being, oh, man, I got, I'm so happy today. I get a meeting with my human resources director. Human resources are like the Gestapo in any big company. Trust me, when I got a note at SiriusXM that I had to go to meet a human resources dude, I would defla- I would Heisman Trophy stiff arm. And you're like, well, I'm not actually in New York or Washington, so I can't. Oh, don't worry about it. We're going to get you a teleconference. Well, I, uh, I, I don't have the bandwidth. You can do a phone call. I put them off for almost a year and a half to take this stupid uh, diversity training test. And then as I'm taking the test, I'm going like, what if I should just answer these questions with the wrong answers? What I think, what I think they want the right answer to be, I should just answer them all wrong and see what happens. (laughs) I didn't, but I wondered what would happen if I answered all the questions on the human resources exam. The point being though, you're not going to make it on the arc. And when the economy crashes, you're not going to survive that either if you're in the HR department. David Simpson said to me once we talked about this, aren't all people that work at any given vocation for any given entity, aren't they all resources? Why is it that the Nazis, the Gestapo and the SS with corporate badges Get to measure human resources. You think about human resources. This is part of this uh, uh, transhumanism crap. 
So now you're not even a human being. They call it a human resource, but you're actually, you're now a resource for the company. It kind of plays right into the, you will own nothing, you will be happy. <clears throat> anyway, Maggie, where's the list of all the all the layoffs that you were showing me uh, earlier? The top ten. Uh, is it in the signal chat? Because it had broken down by company. And uh, yep, it's gone. Whoever put it in signal deleted it. It, 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 it started off with, uh, there's over 120,000 now corporate layoffs in the last two weeks. Big tech, from big tech, basically. And it went down the list, uh, started uh, who, was laying, who was whacking the most people. <laughs> and, oh, there it is. I see it. Uh, okay, here it is. Twitter, 50%. Intel, 20%. Of their workforce. Snapchat, 20%. Coinbase, 18%. Meta, 13%. Redfin, I don't even know what Redfin is. 13%. Credit Suisse, 3%. Goldman Sachs, 3%. Microsoft, 1%. Scamazon, a hiring freeze. Apple, a hiring freeze. Add it all up, it equals over 110,000 in just the last two weeks alone. But don't worry, the Biden regime and the Democrats have complete and control. They got this on lockdown, folks. You should not worry or fret about this whatsoever. Moving on. <clears throat> this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Stinger USA, S-T-N-G-R-U-S-A. You're an outdoorsman. Do you like exploring? Do you like practicing with your AR or whatever weapon it is that you have? Do you have an AR? Do you need a handguard for it? Are you uh, out hunting in the great frontier, the great outdoors, for deer and, and elk? Where the antelope play, you could use an Axios 2 red dot sight. All of these, and the shooter goggles or sunglasses to go with it. Find them all at stngrusa.com. stngrusa.com. Tell them I sent you by using the coupon code CREW. Crusade at checkout. Don't forget about the backpacks, the caps, all of the outdoor exploration and survival gear. It's all at one place. Family run operation. They are crusaders to the core. Yes, they are listeners and they are participants in our events. Do business with those who do business with us. Please visit stngrusa.com. Use the coupon code Crusade at checkout. That'll tell them that we sent you. Oh, this is interesting. Pornhub parent company sued for allegedly posting footage of adult molesting a 12-year-old. The parent company of Pornhub is being sued by a minor child's mother for the X-rated adult website allegedly allowing the dissemination of videos and images of her son being molested, molested by an Alabama man despite authorities' warning. Plaintiff CV1, mother, an anonymous name used due to sensitive and private nature of the allegations, filed a lawsuit last month against Pornhub's parent company, MindGeek, other foreign entities, and Rocky Shea Franken, a resident of Greenville, Alabama, who has been accused of entering into a contractual relationship with the pornography website's operator 
in the U.S. District Court of Alabama. The lawsuit concerns perhaps one of the most disturbing courses of conduct imaginable, the exploitation of child molestation for profit, the lawsuit reads. The MindGeek defendants are those entities who utilize their platforms in collaboration with Defendant Franklin, Franklin to disseminate obvious images and videos of child molestation, thereby profiting from their, uh, from their dissemination. Uh, Franklin allegedly uploaded at least 23 videos of molesting this child, offered for at least $15 each, which prosecutors said represents substantial financial benefit to the MindGeek defendants in multiple ways. According to the lawsuit, Franklin entered into a contractual uh, relationship with MindGeek with the footage of the molestation generated an astonishing 188,000 video views with more than 1,100 subscribers on Pornhub. You know, when you read when you read a story like this, what are you supposed? What are we supposed to think? This is the leak. Okay, this is now the transmission of the results of grooming. I have so many questions. Number one, how does the boy wind up with the petter ass? Oh, you, you have an answer? Yeah, if, you, if you read further into the story, <clears throat> it was the boyfriend of the mother. So he molested her son. A he groomer. molested her son and the son's friend. Now, we have to take this term groomer farther than we have been taking it. Because these predators, this is a predator. This is predation. This is what is portrayed in the miniseries on Peacock, Friend of the Family. The pederast friend of the family makes nice and gets in good with women, single women who have children. Doesn't matter if it's boys or girls, just depends on the pederast. And then uh, through a series of grooming, and they show this in the last uh, episode of uh, A Family of the Friend, the woman testifying or telling the cop who's asking about why she's in a relationship with the Pederas, saying that he's the nicest guy in the world, and those evil Brobergs who have been out to get her wonderful boyfriend, they need to, like, burn in hell. I mean, this is how effective the grooming is, especially for women, single women, who have children. Who aren't seeking marriage or just seeking maybe a little help, maybe a hookup. They're, 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 they're seeking whatever. And the groomers are out there. These men that want to have sex with children don't have to go to schools and hand out candy in the parking lot anymore. And that's why I want you to watch the series, A Friend of the Family. Yes, it's going to infuriate you, but you'll see just how effective this is. This is evil. These men get very good if good is the term we can use, very effective at this diabolical, abominable practice here, which is you get in with the mother, and then you start, you convince the mother that you're in love with her. Oh, yeah, I will embrace your children, and you're grooming the whole time. You're grooming the mother to not see the obvious signs that after you had sex with her and she passed out, you got up out of the bed, popped a Viagra, 
and then went in the other room and started working on the 13-year-old. Better charge play, just get rid of all the children and even the adult now. This is what they do. Maybe it's a nine-year-old. Hell, maybe it's a six-year-old. One of the other things that's revealed in the friend of the family is the FBI gaining knowledge on this in the 1970s because, you know, Kinsey was working on all of the psychiatrists and psychologists saying, no, 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 pederasty is perfectly normal. There's nothing wrong with these people. They're not psychotic. But this FBI guy meets, uh, who was working on this, on uh, Janny uh, Broberg's case, says, we met a psychologist who then disappeared, by the way. The Bureau got rid of him. That was another part of the story. You go like, wait a minute. Are they trying to say? So, and the the psychologist that's working on the case says, starts talking about the groomers and what it is that they do and then says, these men that have sexual, what's it called? Map, right? Minor attractive persons, right? These maps, the ones that have serious maps, like they have to act upon them. They're in, in, or maybe some of them are trying to suppress them. You know the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath. A psychopath is just compulsion, compulsion, compulsion to do it. And may have some of the human uh, emotions and consciences, conscious emotions of remorse, regret, and what have you. A sociopath has the same compulsion, but does not have any remorse. The pederast groomers are sociopaths. They're not psychopaths. Most of them are sociopaths. They do not have the ability to feel remorse. They're not sorry for what they've done. They don't even see what they've done is wrong. And in, in the process of manipulating the woman or the parent or the parents or the teachers or whoever it is that they're trying to, the, the, the object of the grooming, which is to get to the children, in the process of doing this, it's take no prisoners by any means necessary. And because they're sociopaths, they have no regret or remorse over the lives that they destroy. And that's what this lawsuit is, is pointing out here, that I, I wager you that this guy groomed the mother first to get at the kid. This is, folks, this is the reality that we're dealing with here. How many of them do you think have then taken up gigs in the teaching profession? Because if you're looking to shoot fish in a barrel, so to speak, well, a government-run school, hell, even a private school. There's lots of uh, 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 lots of candidates there. Poster boy for vaccination campaign dies suddenly at just four years old. In a tragic turn of events, Santino Godoy Blanco, just four years old, has passed away from pneumonia on November the 3rd, according to multiple reports. If that name sounds familiar, that's because Blanco was the face of one of Argentina's various vaccination campaigns. Now they're killing the children with the Franken-jab.
But, but don't worry, because Pfizer and Moderna have now said, hey, uh, we're going to do a study and see if there's any result, any, any bad results on the heart's of young people that take the Franken jab and get myocarditis. And by the way, like Dr. McCullough said when he was on the show last Monday, you don't just get myocarditis. This is not a, a virus that's hanging out on a subway rail <laughs> because you took the train and you touched the subway, uh, the handrail leading down into the subway. That's not how you get myocarditis. As a matter of fact, you don't get myocarditis. It's caused. Uh, again, and this is another good one here. The Saurabh Omari has this. This is exactly what I'm talking about. The lost art of spotting sociopaths. Sam Bankman Freed's downfall makes you wish there were still novelists toiling in the 19th century tradition of realism. The cryptocurrency titan who plays selfishness and effective altruism at the center of his hucksterism is the sort of saga that cries out for a trollope, a Thackeray, or a Balzac. Alas, even if there were novelists of that caliber in our midst, and there probably aren't, the reality might exceed their talents. Not that Bankman Freed's alleged misdeeds are all that interesting in themselves, mind you. No, financial skullduggery is always at the bottom, quite boring. Uh, but uh, the literary aspect of the story, rather, has to do with the wider culture's inability to see them coming. Simply put, too many Americans seem to have lost the ability to identify sociopaths. Well, it's because the medical vocation has tried to normalize sociopaths. You know, they make all these movies and stuff about Gacy and Bundy and all that. Some of them are quite sympathetic. Yeah, like the new Dahmer one. No, no, he wasn't this and that. He was a sociopath. But first, the fact, these uh, might appear complicated, but the dense fog of technical jargon and math wizardry permeates the crypto universe. And in other words, this guy was a con man. They are sociopath con men, groomers. You're grooming women to get to the children. You're grooming children to get to the children. You're grooming investors to steal their money. You're grooming young women to stay infertile, single, and permanently like that. And that's how I ended the first hour. Same way. A little bit about the war in the Persian Gulf. Big doings in the Persian Gulf. You know my favorite part of that war? It's the first war we ever had that was on every channel plus cable. And the war got good ratings too, didn't it? Got good ratings. Well, we like war. We like war. We're a warlike people. We like war because we're good at it. And you know why we're good at it? Because we get a lot of practice. This country's only 200 years old and already we've had 10 major wars. We average a major war every 20 years in this country. So we're good at it. And it's a good thing we are. We're not very good at anything else anymore. Can't build a decent car, can't make a TV set or a VCR worth the <laughs> Got no steel industry left, can't educate our young people, can't get health care to our old people, but we can bomb the <laughs> out of your country, all right? Huh? We can bomb the <laughs> out of your country, all right? Especially if your country is full of brown people. Oh, we like that, don't we? That's our hobby. 
That's our new job in the world, bombing brown people. Iraq, Panama, Grenada, Libya, you got some brown people in your country, tell them to watch the f*** out, or we'll goddamn bomb them. Well, when's the last white people you can remember that we bombed? Can you remember the last white, can you remember any white people we've ever bombed? The Germans, those are the only ones, and that's only because they were trying to cut in on our action. They wanted to dominate the world, bullshit, that's our f***ing job. There's something revolving Whatever may come The world keeps revolving They say the next big thing is here That the revolution's near But to me it seems quite clear That it's all just a little bit of history repeating Do you believe we've already been through two hours here together holding hands and skipping stones this morning, man? It's the Mike Church Show, the longest-running long-form radio talk show, still on air, continual for 31 years here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. It's not a live radio station if you don't listen to it, though. Join our quest to increase our listening audience. Join our quest to expand our listening audience by going to crusadechannel.com forward slash gift. Giving a gift membership. By the by, um, you know, I will get you the URL to the name your own price membership if you're listening and on a free preview stream somewhere you're going... I want to support you guys. Well, you can do so in several ways. Go to crusadechannel.com and scroll halfway down the page. You'll see the November crowdfunding effort. It is in need of serious, serious help. You can make a contribution in any amount of the five bucks. And your name, should you choose to leave it, will actually show up on the donor list for this month. That's one way. But why don't you just join the crusade? Go to crusadechannel.com forward slash go. Pick yourself a Founders Pass membership plan and become a member. This is a media outlet here. This is not a little podcast. This is not a video cast that I do at my whim whenever I feel like it once a day or once every other day. There is a dedicated team of actual broadcasters. We broadcast. When live news breaks out, we break in. And no one else can say that. Not uh, in this genre, if you will. Anywhere in the world, we're here. When Dobbs broke, we were on air, and we stayed on air an extra six hours that day. But we need your support. We need you to listen. We need you to shop in the store at shop.mikechurch.com. We need you to give gift memberships to help us expand the crusade, get out to new and mo' better people, or new and, and, and mo' listening listeners people, uh, but also increasing the number of people that participate because then that can help mitigate the need to do crowdfunding all the time. Mitigate. Michael Hitchburn's coming up in just a few moments here for his regular every other week visit. Uh, so lots of ways. Shop in a store. Shop.mikechurch.com. 
It's amazing to me that there is still a single grain of Abbey Rose coffee left on those shelves out there, but there is. That there is a single bean of our very own Crusade Channel Cappuccino Dark Roast. And all our coffees are small batch that benefit little guy farmers. That there's still a bean or a Cafe Saint Louis from Ryan Cornell's Twin Pikes Roastery. Uh, but there is. Because I stink at promoting the store. And if I don't promote it, it's like it doesn't exist. So that's another way to support. You're going to shop for this stuff? Shop with us. If there's a book you don't see that we have, tell me what it is. I got an account with every bookseller in the world. Even the big one, Steiman und Schuster. You want a book? I can get you the book. And we can stock it for other people, too. So shop.mikechurch.com. Gift memberships. Gift. Uh, uh, Crusadechannel.com forward slash gift. And to join the crusade, crusadechannel.com forward slash go. And you can always phone in your contribution or mail it. The phone line, 844-527-8723. And the P.O. Box, 400 Madisonville, Madisonville, Louisiana, 70447. That's Black Hat Studios, P.O. Box 400, Madisonville, Louisiana, 70447. You know, looking at the digital media files that we have here for today, uh, do you know when we're going to get the next update in Arizona, when they're going to drop the hammer that Katie Hodges has actually beaten Barry Lake? It's less than 25,000 votes that they had to cheat and fly in and whatnot. Um, <laughs> okay, this was funny. John Stossel was at a shopping mall and was testing out affirmative action. Anyway, here's what he did. He basically went and he made different prices for the same thing based on race. And he put it out on the table... And they've just watched what happened. And what happened was, well, here, here's what happened. Cupcakes for sale. This week in a Manhattan mall, I held a bake sale, a racist bake sale. We have different prices here. If you're Asian, a buck fifty. If you're white, a buck. If you're Latino or black, 50 cents. Just That's like not it. right. You got to be on your goddamn mind. Is the cupcake poison? I didn't come up with this idea. It's a copy cupcake what some poison. Had done. <laughs> they call it an affirmative action bake sale. Why does that have to be shut down? Here at Bucknell University, the administrators shut the bake sale down. The students' conservative club said they just wanted to start a conversation about affirmative action, which does make it harder for Asians to get admitted, but easier for blacks and Latinos. But before much conversation started, they were shut down. So I ran the bake sale so we could see what kind of discussion the Bucknell students missed. I'm trying to make amends for racism. And punish the Asians because they have an advantage. They have such high SAT scores. No, that's not true. Because I have a, I had an Asian student in my class that was dumb as a cardboard. That's stereotyping. <laughs> it is stereotyping. That's not right. Affirmative action is supposed to help minorities that have been discriminated against. <laughs> but Latinos and blacks who saw my sign didn't like it. That, that makes me feel bad because I'm both Latino and black. Should should I not do this because it might hurt people's feelings? Not yes. only it should hurt people's feelings, but it's just like out of sense of respect. It's very hurtful. It's very demeaning. 
<laughs> That's not right. I, I had I had an Asian that was in my class that was dumb as cardboard. <laughs> it reminds me of that song from back in the day. Oh, oh gosh, what was the name of the? Um, uh, oh, I remember. I remember. Remember. <laughs> There's a girl named, a woman named Jill Sabuel, and she made a song back in the mid-90s called I Kissed a Girl. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a, everyone thought it was a lesbo song, but it wasn't. Well, she has a line in there, somebody, the guy who's dumb as a box of hammers. Uh, believe it or not, I still have it. Here, <laughs> listen. No, I'm not trying to indoctrinate girls into kissing girls. Jenny came over and told me about Fred. He's such a hairy behemoth. She said, dumb as a box of hammers, but he's such a handsome guy. <laughs> dumb as a box of hammers. <laughs> it, it's funny when you turn the, when you flip the tables on, on, on uh, these, these miscreant utes. And uh, you and then you show them the pitiful, or the uh, by definition the 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 the, uh, the unfairness of what they do. They don't like it. They don't like it. Now, I'm sorry. The best part was the black guy going, "Wait, is these cupcakes poison?" Yeah, <laughs> you're trying to get me poison cupcakes, bruh. All right, now, where can I see the Bishop Strickland tweet? I was just talking about this. Uh, I was reading you the press release from uh, uh, Wilton Cardinal Gregory uh, canceling the the mass and the rally for Utes uh, for the annual pro-life march um, and, and, and just giving this just gibberish mishmash about how... It's time to move on. We don't have time. My diocese, we don't have the resources. Yeah, those kids, those, those brats can go to somewhere else. It was a difficult decision. Reach through an American synod where they convened listening sessions. You're a cardinal. Act like it. And by the way, all right, did anyone, Maggie, did anyone in the chat room answer my question? Why is the cardinal hat red? Yes. Besides Isaaconas. Um, if Isaaconas answered it, it doesn't count. It didn't hurt. It never happened. A tree fell in the woods. Isaaconas never heard it. You don't. Theologians can't answer questions like that. I was asking for average lay people. Why is the cardinal hat red? Well, here's uh, Bishop Strickland. I must protest this cancellation. We have an extremely anti-life president, and we cancel our national voice? Yes, to state efforts, but we desperately need a national voice for life at this critical time. And as Bree Dale reporting uh, that, uh, that Bishop Strickland had uh, canceled the uh, Ute Rally and Mass for Life 2023, and uh, as, uh, yes, A.A. Okay, so I'm just going to pop in the chat room real quick. Yes, red is the symbol of martyrs. 
Does it sound like, and look, I can't crawl in guy, inside a guy's heart and tell you that, he, that he's not ready to die for Christ. He's certainly not ready to challenge the regime leader of the world and deny him the sacraments and call him out for what he is. And now he wants to tell the Utes that they're not needed? Uh, I, I, at, at this juncture in time? And as I asked the question earlier, what are these people doing? What are these the, 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 these men that are supposed to be leading flocks who act like they're Susan from the parish council organizing a freaking bingo tournament tonight as the beau ideal and the end-all-to-end-all of life in the parish or in the diocese? What I mean... Yeah, I believe it's designed to frustrate. I believe that this is just a nanny nanny boo boo weirdo youth traditionalist. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to take your stupid little rally away. Here, see if Strickland will do one for you. I mean, this is just, it's, to me, it is so petty and shallow. We're supposed to look up to these men, we're supposed to look to them to act like Christ who, by the by, was a manly man. When he goes through the passion, that is not what he is not to be made out to be some effeminate soy boy with long hair and a perfectly manicured beard. The manliest of all men. And yet those that seem, uh, in our day and age anyway, to follow in his footsteps and get the red hat, so few seem to be worthy, or to even intimate that they wish to be in Biden or Pelosi or whoever's line of fire. <clears throat> really is disappointing. But then again, if you want to carry the disappointment to the next level, let's do this. A report. U.S. Catholic bishops gave $3.4 million to organizations involved in abortion, LGBTQ activism, and socialism. Where might I have found uh, this report? Well, I found it at LepantoIN.org. And Mr. Michael Hitchburn is the founder of, and the president of Lepanto Institute is on the Skype Maker Hotline, as he is pretty much every other Tuesday or so. Uh, Mitter Hitchburn, I don't know if you'd heard the news about the about, uh, uh, Wilton Cardinal Gregory's cancellation of the youth rally in Mass for 2023. Uh, but actually, this seems pretty much par for the course. We should have seen this one coming. Oh, this, this has been a long time coming. I'm not surprised at all. So... Um, okay, so you're not surprised at all. You say it's been a long time coming. Has he, wait, has he been on the periphery attacking it or, or intimating that it's something that doesn't need to occur? Well, I mean, if you look at his track record while he was down in Atlanta, he was, you know, since we're talking about CCHD, okay. um, he was funding organizations that were promoting abortion, and he was funding organizations that were just violently promoting uh, LGBTQ ideologies. So, you know, it, it kind of goes with the territory. It's not surprising in the least. Um, does the fact that uh, that he is aping 
the never-ending synod or synodal process, wherever it's going on in Europe, and saying that, well, we had these meetings. We, 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 this wasn't just something I decided. Um, uh, let's see here. We heard from many dioceses who shared that they are turning their efforts to their states. And that we involved, we, we had a process that involved dialogue with other dioceses, ministry leaders, and the partners who assist the diocese in hosting a rally in mass. In other words, sound like they had another one of these lame old let's kill the church synods. Well, probably. I mean, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's just one of those things where <laughs> you'll, I mean, look, Wilton Gregory has been antagonistic toward the pro-life movement ever since he got to DC. Um, he, he refused to have anything to do with the March for Life. He hasn't had any involvement in um, in promoting pro-life rallies or anything along those lines. And now he's canceling uh, his involvement in this year's pro-life uh, <laughs> activism. So, yeah, it's – I'm not – I don't know. It, he is – we have to remember he's a Bernardin boy. And when you say you, – so you mean uh, Cardinal Bernardin? yes. Uh, there be people that are listening that don't know the story of who Cardinal Bernadine was or why you would call him a Bernadine boy. Uh, I've actually heard it from David Wimhoff, and I've heard, uh, heard it from several times from Brother Andre Marie uh, and others. This is this was not a nice man. No, not nice at all. Well, uh, I mean, Cardinal Bernadine was the uh, he was the one who created the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. Uh, but if you know anything about Maliki Martin and his um, uh, story, uh, Windswept House, what you realize is that uh, Cardinal Bernardin, when he was Father Bernardin back in the 1960s, was accused of raping a 12-year-old girl on an altar in a satanic ritual. Um, Bernardin was an active homosexual. Uh, he... When he died, he he prearranged a homosexual choir to sing at his funeral mass, and he personally received, uh, also posthumously, a um, an award from the Freemasons that is reserved only for members. So, the chances that Cardinal Bernardin was a member of a satanic cult, a rapist, a homosexual, and uh, and also a, a, a Freemason are pretty darn high. Uh, and and to think that he made Cardinal Gregory, because um, Gregory was consecrated by Joseph Bernard in 1983. Ugh. Yep. So you 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 start going back through the track record and and uh, well. <laughs> Draw your own conclusion. That's all I can say. Well, the demons know where the cash of checks at, don't they? And they, they sure know, do. yeah, they know where the bank is too. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if you want to corrupt, if you want to corrupt the people that have checking accounts, well, then go after the bank, and the bank is, of course, uh, is the deposit of faith. Um, it just, you know, we can say that this isn't unexpected, but it could still be disappointing. Uh, you just, you don't want this to happen. Nobody wants to hear this. Uh, you know, we want we want some of the hierarchy that we might have seen in the, the bells of St. Mary's. I can't remember the priest. What was the priest name that Bing Crosby played? In, uh, Father the, Flanagan? Father Flanagan. Uh, we need a lot more Father Flanagans. 
<laughs> a lot less Wilton Cardinal Gregory's. But, uh, you know, I have a different perspective on this. All right. I'm, I, I want to see the bad guys come out and expose themselves. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Show I, everything. I, I lay, all the, lay all your bad cards on the table. Absolutely. The way I look at this is this, this is them taking the mask off. This is them revealing the demon underneath the skin that they wear over their skulls. Um, I don't have any issue with them coming out and doing these terrible things because now, now we know who they are. I'm going to tell you a story. My grandfather uh, was very active in exposing communist cell networks in Southern California in the 1950s and 60s. Oh, he must have been a busy guy. He was very busy. Um, he... He was good friends with a guy named Steve Werb. Steve Werb uh, was an undercover FBI agent who was posing as a member of the Communist Party. Um, and he and my grandfather would go into communist cell meetings with a TITAC microphone and, you know, tape recorder under the armpit kind of thing. Well, my grandfather was out, uh, you know, he was walking about and there, there was a big neo-Nazi rally. And so he was out there taking pictures of this neo-Nazi rally, and, and a lady next to him was shaking her head, and she goes, this is awful. This is just terrible. And he says, what do you mean? She said, well, all these people out here marching in their Nazi uniforms, it's just awful. And he said, well, at least you know who they are. And she said, well, what do you mean? And he pointed to several people in the crowd, and he said, he's the head of the Communist Cell Network for Southern California. He over there is the secretary for the... Uh, for the communist cell network here in our in our area, those guys over there are members of the communist party. He said they're not wearing uniforms, so at least you know who the neo Nazis are. And you know, if you look at what Gregory is doing right now, he's basically walking around with an armband and exposing himself by wearing his uniform. So I'm Google searching this, and guess what I found? I. <laughs> Uh, not Google, uh, DuckDuckGo in, or no, I'm actually using Quant. So um, I found this, and uh, I, I'm, I'm searching for the um, the name of the, the do doctor out in L.A., who I'm sure your father uh, was pursuing, who had uh, the sat satanic rituals at his house. And mm -hmm. it was portrayed, what was the name of the TV show with Chris Pine in it? Where the, the it was the Black Dahlia was and, the, the, and they were grooming these kids. They were grooming these girls. Here's what I found. Uh, <laughs> I did a search for that, and this is what came up. Written by you, former Satanist. I performed satanic rituals inside abortion clinics. You wrote oh, this yeah. way back in 2015. Yeah, that was one of my first big exposés. Zachary King, the the High Wizard. Um, yeah, I Am the Night is the Chris Pine uh, series that had Chris Pine in it. Who, by the way, has been photographed with his Masonic pose. Um, uh, you'll, you'll see him with with his eye covered and all that. Um, so who is this? This What is this story about? Uh, the one that you wrote. Yeah, so I, I interviewed Zachary King. He, he uh, said that he was a former Satanist and... and uh, that he actually went into abortion clinics and performed satanic ceremonies. Uh, and uh, he just, I mean, was this in California? Was this in any particular other place? Where I mean, where was it? To be honest, I, I don't remember. I, I wrote that seven <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Uh, he he said when I was about twelve, a friend introduced me to a group that played Dungeons and Dragons that also believed the magic was real. 
so you said, uh, so you were a high wizard with Satanism. Just very briefly, how did you happen to become a high wizard? Rumor has it that high wizards are handpicked by Satan. I don't know what the criteria is. I had done magic from the age of 10 and became a high wizard when I was 21. I had been in the World Church of Satan for about three years. I had seen a high wizard back when I was a child, but I didn't know that. Uh, that uh, didn't know that that is what I was looking at. The look is very unique. <laughs> so did this guy contacted you, or you contacted him? I'm just curious now. Um, I had heard a uh, a talk that he gave uh, at a. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was. It was a group of priests that had, that had invited him to speak, and I heard his talk, and I thought, oh, this sounds kind of interesting. So I, 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 I reached out to him. I asked him if he'd like to do an interview. So <laughs> that's 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 really it. So how did you do your? So you said your dad was involved in my uh, grandfather. Your grandfather was involved in and in, in all this. Um, was he successful? Well, I mean, it's as successful as as one can be in some situations like this. I mean, you could ask me if I've been ex been successful in exposing yeah, yeah. CCHD. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm able to do it, and I definitely do expose a lot of problems, but whether it has any impact, that's up to our Lord and Lady. All right, so let's go back to your report then uh, about what the CCHD is doing. Now, is this new details? Because you had previously detailed some of the activities of the CCHD, or is this just more, is this more detailed than you had pre previously released? So these are, a, a lot of these are new details because we, you know, the new details is really in the individual reports. If you look at the um, the, the main page, the, uh, the report page where we kind of do the analytics and we analyze what uh, the CCHD was funding and who was behind it and, and, and all that kind of stuff, what you'll see is that uh, we broke it down by percentages. We broke it down by details. Um, some of the here's the summary of findings. There were 214 organizations receiving CCHD grants in fiscal year 2020 to 2021. 66 of those organizations are ineligible for Catholic funds. That's that was according to our findings. We put together 66 individual independent reports on CCHD grantees. Um. There, there was a total of $11,249,000 distributed by the CCHD that year. 3.43 million of that went to organizations that are acting against Holy Mother Church. That's about 30%. Right. Uh, what, what else we found, because I, I was kind of curious, uh, I went back and I started looking at all of the different um, grant, grants lists going back to 2004, because that's as far back as CCHD records, at least their public records, go. And I found that all the groups, the 66 groups that we profiled, collectively received $16.63 million since 2004. That's a whole lot of moolah. Yeah, it is. So $16.63 million. Uh, and, you know, we I broke down a few other... Um, you know, just, just some statistics for people to, to see, but 47 out of the 66 organizations were direct violations because we broke down our, our reports by direct violation, coalition violation, and leadership violation. And, and what that means, a direct violation is if the organization itself does it. 
Okay. So if an organization on Facebook or Twitter or, or in a, you know, they participate in a, a woman's march that's promoting abortion, well, they got dinged for a direct violation. So if they're gone, if they're on Facebook and they're going, Hey, join us for the pride parade this coming weekend. Uh, well, okay. That's direct action because that's the organization itself doing the bad thing. Um, a coalition violation comes about when the uh, the organization is a member of a coalition that is taking actions against church teaching. So, okay. uh, for example, um, in 2013, the Chicago Workers Collaborative, which is one of the organizations we profiled, was publicly, very publicly denied funding by the CCHD because they were a member of the Illinois Coalition for Refu- Immigrant and Refugee Rights. Um, and the problem was that that coalition, ICIRR, had taken a formal position in favor of same-sex marriage. And uh, Cardinal George very publicly defunded the Chicago Workers Collaborative and eight other organizations who refused to leave membership in ICIRR. And it's a dues-paying membership, by the way. Okay. Well, Chicago Workers Collaborative... Uh, got another grant in 2019 for the first time in 10 years. And then they got another grant in this most recent grant cycle, even though they're still members of ICIRR. And what's more is that ICIRR has now taken a formal position in favor of abortion. Uh, This is a complete and total violation of their rules. I'm going to read you what the... uh, what the grant guideline says okay. about coalition memberships. Uh, let me pull up my my note here. Here it is. Okay. This is what the CCHD says. CCA, this is a quote. CCHD will not fund groups that are knowingly members of coalitions that have as part of their organizational purpose or coalition agenda positions or actions that contradict fundamental Catholic moral and social teaching. All right, so that's that's it's it's verboten. If you're a member of a coalition and it has taken a position in favor of something against church teaching, you can't be part of that coalition. Well, uh, Chicago Workers Collaborative got defunded in 2013 because of their membership in ICIRR, and they refused to leave that membership. But now CCHD is giving them a grant. They're still a member. ICIRR hasn't changed its position, and CCHD hasn't dropped this rule. So what changed? Nothing. This is just a this is just a very blatant case of the Catholic Campaign for Human Development very openly defying its own rules, which means that every time they come out and say, "Oh, we don't fund organizations that do X, Y, or Z," and we have a very serious vetting process or, or a very thorough vetting process to make sure that groups like this don't get funded, uh, they're lying to you. They're lying to you, they're lying to the priests, they're lying to the bishops, because they knowingly, very publicly, gave the Chicago Workers Collaborative funding while it was a member of the, the coalition that they defunded it previously for. So this is all, um, it, it's, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. So that's that's the coalition violations. And then we have a category for leadership violations, 
which is basically if the uh, if the leader of the organization or, or some of the board members or some of the key staffers are doing things that are bad. For instance, in one group, uh, I think it's called um, I think, is it New Labor? Okay. Uh, that organization has a uh, a key staff person who is a who is the leader for the Party for Socialism and Liberation. This person is a man who goes around wearing a dress, calling himself Claire. Um, yeah, you can't make this stuff Just up. Just make it stop, please. I know. And, uh, and he goes around and he agitates for pro-abortion initiatives, for pro-LGBT initiatives, and for socialist activism. And, and he, you know, maybe he doesn't do this in the name of uh, the organization that he's a part of. However, if you're a leader of an organization and you go out and you start doing things that are going to give your organization a bad reputation or a bad name, don't you think you'd get fired? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Which means the organization's got to pretty much agree with what he's doing, don't you think? I would think so. So that's why we violate the people when, when they have leadership doing that kind of thing. So those are the three categories that we bust people on. Um, and then if you look at our grants list, our, our chart, you can see on the left-hand column is the name of the organization. And you can click on it and go to the report. We also have the diocese listed next to it. So if you can see what diocese you're in and see if, you know, did, did your diocese have a bad group or whatever, how much they gave them, and what the nature of the violation was. And we have three columns, direct violation, coalition violation, and leadership violation. And then you can look in there and say, okay, is it abortion, contraception, LGBT, or Marxism? And and it's all laid out right there in the columns. Well, you can see that most of the... Uh, um most of the, uh, the the dioceses here, like if you start at the top, you see Manchester, New Hampshire, I guess, uh, Rochester, Chicago, Las Vegas, Austin, Mordor, Brownsville, yeah. Boston, no surprise there, Brooklyn, no surprise there, uh, Boston again, Pittsburgh, Arlington, St. Paul, and Minneapolis. I, you know, I just I have been just wondering aloud lately. Why Minnesota has become this deep blue, very far northern, almost like Siberian home for such such sinister people? You know, the Muslims are relocating there. Uh, it, it's it's not a joke that St. Paul, that um, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, that the St. Paul part of it is 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 constantly under assault. Um, the, uh, the supposedly there was a chance that the uh, that the pro infanticide governor was going uh, to be beaten uh, in the great red wave or the great red drizzle, and wasn't. And uh, so infanticide is, is is on the ballot there. Minnesota's a pretty rural place outside of of of, of, of Minneapolis, St. Paul. If you look at Minnesota on the map, there really are there literally are ten thousand lakes. And mm -hmm. it's very rural. It's, uh, I've been there. It's beautiful. Um, again, outside uh, the cities, it's just hard to conceive um, uh, uh, that the evil that emanates just from the, the, the just the Minneapolis St. Paul area just I mean just radiates slime 
<laughs> demonic yeah. radioactive slime all throughout the state. And it's not even in the middle. It, it, it's, it's, yeah. not like, it's not like it's located like right in the smack dab in the middle of the state. It's just another one of these uh, these these outliers. You go like, well, the, the the so the good people of Minnesota, like the good people of Illinois, of Indiana, I'm saying Illinois or or uh, or Michigan, are ruled by those that are are in the the cult of death, in the deep blue child sacrifice murder capitals of the world cities. I mean, it's mm-hmm. such an iniquity, Michael. I mean, it, it 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 pains your heart to know because I know good people, and so do you that live in Michigan and don't live in Detroit or Flint, and right. or Ann Arbor, and they don't have recourse. They even they can even send Republicans to the legislature, and it doesn't matter because a Republican or someone that that that, that is sane, and and I believe that Gretchen Dimwit Mur is what Father Malachi Martin called perfectly possessed. I look at her on that stage beaming with those high cheekbones and she's almost glowing like Berkowitz when he was perp walked, the son of Sam. I see perfect possession. Um, and Granny Grant home before her. I mean, these women are child sacrificers. And yet there is there doesn't seem to be anything that, that the good people of Michigan can do to stop this. I know. It's it's and it's horrifying, and they have to live under the uh, they have to the live under this rule. So uh, just continuing on your list, you see Chicago, no shock, Brooklyn, Bridgeport, Fresno, Stockton, Providence, pretty much all over the world. I was looking to see if there was anything in uh, uh, New, okay New Orleans Workers Center for Racial Justice. I know hmm. of these clowns. This is this is just a this is just a bunch of crazed French Quarter lesbian transgender transsexual wackos. Bad. Well, if you if you scroll through that, if you click that report, okay, okay, one of the first things that you'll see, you can scroll down in that report. One of the first things you'll see is a video that we have from their Twitter feed. I see it, where they're chanting "Death to the racist pigs." These are probably some of the people that are behind the permanent rainbow sidewalks that dot the city of New Orleans, which is now, mm-hmm. per capita, per 100,000, the murder capital of this continent. city of New Orleans. New Orleans, where Joan of Arc still on Decatur Street, 25-foot-tall bronze statue still holds on top of that steed, that beautiful uh, shield of hers and her cross, um, where if you go into the Cathedral of, of St. Louis, which most people think is just for a postcard, inside is one of the most beautiful high altars of the world. Bishop Amon, who is still like supporting and defending the Latin Mass Society here in New Orleans and, and, and ours, uh, you know, that's his church, that's a cathedral. Uh, the beautiful high altar is a statue of St. Joan um, uh, on uh, the north side of the chapel or the sanctuary when you enter. On the left, on the south side is St. King Louis. I mean, all the symbols and everything that you could uh, that, uh, that should be there, most of them remain of uh, the fact that New Orleans was the cradle of Catholicism in the Mississippi River Valley. Um, but despite his prayers, and I believe Archbishop Amon to, 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 to be a good man and a good priest and a good bishop, you know, my wife and I have walked with him on pilgrimage. And he was so delighted <laughs> that our little Latin Mass Society was so friendly to him, you know, it was, it was so thankful and appreciative. This city is like many other American cities. They're gone. There's, they're mm. gone. 
You know, short of, you know, Archbishop Amon, you know, maybe uh, trying to reconvene a Eucharistic Congress, but I would be terrified to do that in New Orleans because half of the cardinals and bishops, <laughs> the good ones that might attend, might get assassinated while they're there or have their Pope mobiles carjacked. Right, yeah. But the CCB and uh, the, the CCHD, or the, or the CCHD, that's the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, you know, as a rule, and I was taught back in the 90s when I was coming up in, uh, in politics and in, um, and, you know, in broadcasting and, you know, I was going to a lot of conventions and meetings and conferences and stuff. Anything that had, I think it was Thomas Sewell that said, anything that has human in the title, be suspect of it. Interesting. I want to say it was Dr. Sewell that said that. Now, that doesn't work all the time, but it pretty... <laughs> Uh, the what's the uh, there are several that are international Uh, Mm -hmm. All right. well let me ask the question Michael Hitchborn of the Lepanto Institute who is detailing uh, the blockbuster report that he has on his website at L-E-P-A-N-T-O-I-N dot org report U.S. Catholic bishops gave 3.4 million organizations involved in abortion was there any exchange twixt you and the USCCB or their press agent like there was once where uh, I can't remember which bishop told you, all right, Hitchburn, we're going to study this, and if we find out that your stats or your info is actually correct, we'll issue a public statement on it. Did they acknowledge this report? No. Uh-uh. No, the, the CCHD is run silent, run deep. <laughs> their, their whole uh, operation now is, well, we're going to keep our heads down and make sure that there's a media blackout on, uh, on this report because we don't want anybody to really think that there's a problem here and we're not going to address the problem, so we're just going to stick our heads in the sand and ignore it. Yesterday, we sent out a press release showing that Catholic bish- the Catholic Bishop of Saginaw and several parishes are actually members of one of the organizations that we profiled called the Ezekiel Project. Did you see that that press release? No, I did not. Yeah, it's, it's a short one. I'll read it to you. A recent report by the Lepanto Institute revealed that 66 organizations receiving funds from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development are involved in the promotion of abortion, contraception, LGBTQ activism, and Marxism. One of the organizations profiled in the report is called the Ezekiel Project, and the profile reveals that the Eze- that Ezekiel is directly involved in the promotion of abortion. And in the um, uh, the heading of the article, I always put an image. The image that I put up there is a Facebook post from July 1st from the Ezekiel Project saying, "Join us today." For the Black Women's Roundtable, hands off our bodies, hands off our vote conference. And it's all about reproductive rights, freedom, and justice. What do you think they're talking about? Gee, I'd never be able to guess. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I actually watched the hour and 45-minute thing. It was nothing but a big screech fest uh, about how Roe v. Wade, the overturning of Roe v. Wade was such an injustice, and they have to fight for abortion. I mean, that was all it was. So, continuing with the press release, and according to the Ezekiel Project's Our Team webpage, Bishop Robert Gruss, the Cathedral of Mary of the Assumption, and a dozen other parishes and priests are identified as member Catholic parishes and religious leaders. Oh, good lord. 
Annual reports from the Diocese of Saginaw showed that the diocese has provided the project $5,000 in 2017 to 2018 and $1,000 in 2019 to 2020. Additionally, in July of 2021, Father Ron Wagner, identified as one of the religious leaders on the Ezekiel Project's website, Mm -hmm. was honored by the Ezekiel Project for his nearly two decades of work with the organization. Father Wagner said that working with the Ezekiel Project, quote, has improved the lives of many people. So I retorted with, unfortunately, the Ezekiel Project is also destroying the, destroying lives by fighting for the wholesale slaughter of innocent babies. Uh, anyway, so the, the rest of it's stuff that I already talked about. Uh, Ezekiel Project also called on fo- followers to participate in the Woman versus Wade March, except woman is spelled W-O-M-X-N. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Womzan? Yeah. Womzan? Yeah. And then the uh, the leadership of this particular uh, organization, the Ezekiel Project, one of the board members was out there campaigning for them to pass Prop 3, which was the uh, the pro-abortion legislation that passed in, in Michigan. So <laughs> here we have... It's not just pro-abortion. We're going to read the bill. It's also oh, it's no parental notification to obtain puberty blockers and other, uh, and other gender-affirming right. services at Planned Parenthood clinics. Right. So the point is that this isn't just a CCHD problem. This is also a diocesan-wide problem regarding the Ezekiel Project. Mm. So we put out that press release yesterday. I don't know uh, who may say something or how it may uh, come about or who's going to do what about it, but the bottom line is that um, we're making sure that all the bishops are aware of what's going on. I've been sending these press releases to every bishop in the country. I've been sending them to every diocesan director in the country. Uh, I've been sending them to every member of the USCCB. So it's um, there's no plausible deniability here. They know exactly what's going on. They know exactly what I'm talking about and what I'm reporting and where to find it. Uh, and for them to ignore this information just shows the degree of their complicity. Yeah, uh, complicity is a word that uh, you keep using that word. I don't think that word means what you think it means uh-huh. uh, to to the people that are in denial uh, of this. Uh, and uh, the the, fat, the the sad and tragic and inescapable conclusion that you reach from uh, from this is that either a there is such um, there, uh, such a level. Of misinformation. Now, where is the misinformation coming from? It seems to me that the misinformation is not only coming from the little groups that you mentioned, but has to also be coming because uh, the, at the end of the day, the CCHD has to run interference for people against people like you that mm-hmm. are exposing them. And look, there's the other bitch about this. Let's just pretend that you're not Catholic. These people are still operating nonprofits. They're supposed to have open books. What they do is supposed to be open to the sunlight laws and to the sunshine laws and all in the light of day, Mr. Hitchburn. None of this is supposed to be cloak and dagger. That's how they get and supposedly maintain this 501c3 nonprofit status. Am I right? Right. 
Yep. Well, then they should they should have to publish this. Shouldn't they have to publish where their money goes? I guess that's how you get it because well, they, they do. do. That's yeah, that's where we get our information. Um, stunning. Stunning. Yeah. <laughs> this is the fact, the fact of the matter is that they're either not investigating the organizations because this information, it's not hard to find. No, it's not. I always say that if if, if, if an imbecile like me can find it, yeah, exactly. why couldn't the, <laughs> the person that's, <laughs> that has a staff of 25, why couldn't they find it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how come I, who has a staff of two, <laughs> can find this? You know, you remind me of, and he says he has a staff of two, uh, uh, this is not an endorsement of anything, but Ryan Reynolds is one of the owners of the Mint cell phone company. And he has these very funny TV commercials. The one he had the other day was like, so we can keep offering you Mint for $15 a month. We have decided not to hire professional cinematographers with fancy cameras and big production budgets. And instead, we're going to make our own commercials ourselves. And he's standing in front of a bad green screen. And he oh. goes, no, no, baby, no, no, no. Focus on daddy. No, bring the camera down. <laughs> it's just very <laughs> funny. That's Hitchburn's staff, his children, and his wife. <laughs> yep, yep. That's Michael going like, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, Alyssa, no, no, camera, hand the camera down. <laughs> hey, we're all doing the same thing. We do what we can to survive, right? Pretty much. <laughs> all right. Uh, Michael Hitchborn of the Lapano Institute at L-E-P-A-N-T-O-I-N.org. Uh, before you go, I thought I would, uh, that you're one of the people that would really, really get something out of this. So I'm going to share it with you. Mm-hmm. If you have Peacock, fine. If you don't, find someone that does. <clears throat> There's a new series out. They just came out with this. And it was just released this week. It's called A Friend of the Family. This is the story of Jan, Marianne, Robert, Susan, I forget the other daughter's name, Broberg, a couple that, a family that was um, in Ogden, Utah. They were Mormons in Ogden, Utah in the 1970s. And it's a story about how one of the members of the LDS who lived across the street from them, it's a story of how this pervert, and he was known to the LDS, by the way, that this, so when people go, yeah, your, your church is the one that rapes, ah, 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 every single one of them has got perverts in them. They just want to go after the Catholic version because it's the real one. So the LDS actually ran cover. Chose not to tell law enforcement that one of their high council members was a pervert. And it actually assaulted, according to the miniseries, the bishop's daughter. That's how they found out. So, but this is where I think you would get a lot out of this. Um, It shows how these men work their grooming and how they gain access to, that's why it's called a friend of the family. Well, it's Bob. He's B. He's like a friend of the family. That, you, you find this out in the first episode huh. of how the uh, how this B guy, this pervert, I mean, he, he was just, uh, talk about a manipulative jerk, pederast or pedophile or whatever the, uh, the, the, the worst terminology, child molester is, uh, of how he groomed the entire family. 
And, you know, uh, uh, Janie uh, Broberg comes on uh, as herself in 2022 before the show starts. She goes, what you're about to see is shocking. Most of it is true. We had, you know, there's some fictionalized it to keep the continuity of the story going. She goes, but we decided to make this because we wanted to show people how predators work. And that they are out there and they are growing in numbers. And this is what happened to my family as a result of one predator. This guy groomed two whole families. It took him four years. And as he was grooming, the, 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 the target of his lust when he started the grooming was an eight year old child. Oh. Ultimately, by the time she's 12, he's having regular relations with her. But she doesn't become a woman until she's like 15, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so God actually protected her from him. Um, uh, but it's called A Friend of the Family. And I've been, you know, I've been talking about it for two days now since we watched it. And uh, people may say, oh, come on, King, dude, you're getting over the top. This, look, this is a brave effort. This, this is defying the mainstream. This is defying. I, I'm even kind of surprised that NBC, because that's who runs Peacock, w- w- rolled with this. Because this just pulls the wool out. This is what Weinstein was doing to all these young actresses. They bring them into Disney, what have you, and they start grooming Miley Cyrus when she's eight. And they start working on these kids and telling them, oh, no, sex. Of course there's sex going on in all those dressing rooms over there. Everyone does it. They start working on it until it becomes great. Because the, part of the grooming process is to make the reprehensible, the abominable normal. Yep. That's that, that's what the grooming actually is. And it just shows just how effective the grooming is. Um, and that he didn't just groom the daughter. He groomed the, the mother. He was actually having an affair with the mother, too. And... Oh. And she says in the book that she wrote, uh, Janie Broberg, she says in the book that she wrote, she goes, one of the, uh, there's a chapter in there where she, uh, where she goes, oh, well, how did they do, how did he do this? The first thing the groomer does usually, if it's an intact family, is go after the dad. Get rid of the dad. Get the dad out of the way. He's a loser. He's not strong. He looks weak. He, you know, he dresses funny. He's not funny. I'm the life of the party. Your dad's, you know, a, a, a limp noodle. He's a, is in this case that he went after the dad, and after he had completely turned the family again, or had, had, had primarily had. had uh, 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 turn most of the family, including the daughter. I mean, she just turned on her father. She hated him because he convinced wow. her that, yeah, but this is grooming. This is how they do it. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's, ten, it, it's 10 episodes. So, it, and, it, and, and, I, and I, I'm warning people in advance, if you watch this, you will become so outraged. You'll be screaming at your television going, no way anyone's that freaking stupid. Well, and that's what, and Janie Broberg says, I wanted, we had to show it like this because it's so effective. We're, we weren't stupid. We weren't gullible. We were groomed. Mm-hmm. He played a psyop on us. And this is a, a and, and this is what, Michael, the, 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 the takeaway out of this, and God bless Janie Broberg and her mom, Marianne, for writing the book and then NBC for actually doing the series. I believe that what they're communicating is this is what's going on in the schools with this transgender and this LGBTQ crap. 
Those oh, teachers, Dahl, those yeah. guidance counselors are grooming those kids. They're not just grooming them to have sex with them today. They're grooming them to make it normal so that in a couple of years, once they've turned on their parents and they've turned on God or they've turned on the church and the faith, then when the groomers turn on them, it will seem perfectly normal. And, I mean, the 12-year-old girl was going along with the guy. She was yeah. sneaking out to go meet him. Ugh. You know, it, it's... Um... You're right. It, it is grooming. And one of the things that we're finding with all of, a lot of these CCHD grantees is that they are directly involved in the promotion of LGBTQ ideologies and activism among the youth. Mm. There are several of these organizations that are involved with LGBT youth and they want to have these youth groups and these youth meetings. And it's it's grooming. It is it's absolute grooming. And this is, uh, uh, now let's go back to where we kind of started with uh, Wilton Cardinal Gregory and uh, the withdrawal from uh, the uh, uh, the youth rally and Mass for Life 2023. Of course, you know, you can always rely on Bishop Strickland because Bishop Strickland is one of the first ones out there going, no, 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 no. That's a, this is the exact wrong approach. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, I have, I've been telling the audience, I, we've been working on this for a couple of months and we're... Uh, we'll be blessed this Thursday, Michael. You'll find us interesting. Uh, I landed it uh, thanks to help from a, a, a dear friend. Um, uh, but we will have Father Altman on this show for 45 minutes on Thursday. Oh, marvelous! Yes, and this is one of the things I want to talk. I'm going to talk to Father. I'm going to ask Father Altman about is about how the USCCB. Why are they so uh, absent from what are obvious? I mean, the church is needed. I'd say the people of Chicago need a very holy, very strict blaze soupage more than they ever needed a Cardinal O'Malley or Flanahan or Flannery or whoever it was at the time of Al Capone or whatever. The bishops mm. are needed. The, 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 the faithful need them, of course. But the, not, the people that aren't of the faith to know that there's another way. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just, it, 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 it's, it, it, it pains you to watch uh, and and to see this. But then at the same time, you know, we have our little Our Lady of Mount Carmel uh, community. And you can see when sacred tradition makes its way into a community, it just, it's one of the most beautiful things. You get to see it grow. Father Damien said on Saturday, from, on Sunday from, uh, from the pulpit, two and a half years. It hasn't even been open two and a half years, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And we're not a, we're not a parish. You know, we're at a community center where the Spanish hold their, the Spanish language mass is held. Uh, but we're under the protection of Bishop Amon. Two and a half years, we already have four young people that have taken up vocation. Wow. Yeah, one, one is leaving this coming Sunday. will be the last day that she'll be with us. She's joining Father, uh, Father Carney's uh, Our, Lady, Our Sisters of Our Lady of Ephesus in Gower. So one is at the FSP studying to be a priest, and there are two that are discerning which, uh, basically, which novitiate they're going to go, to go into. So that's four. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, you go to Mass, and I know that you get to see it. You get to see baptism in the Latin rite. And everyone is oh. fixated and crying and going, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Confirmations and first communions in the Latin Rite. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these are the gems, the jewels of the faith properly practiced that you can't put a price tag on. But, you know, you see this right. community and it gro it's growing. It flourishes. It, it flour From within, it flourishes. Gee, what do you know? Yeah, I know. It's right. <laughs> Gee, what do you know? <laughs> 
Uh, well, you're not surprised by it. <clears throat> no, I mean, it, that's because beauty is, is attractive. And there is nothing ugly about the ancient practices of the church. No, there What's isn't. What's ugly is the twisted, perverted, uh, stupid, insipid felt banners and the uh, the limp wristed <laughs> songs and, you know, uh, the butterfly vestments. Mm. I mean, give me a fork and let me gag myself with it so that I can then poke my own eyeballs out, out afterward. I mean, it's it's horrifying what they have done. Don't do they that. We need you in the fight. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, it's, um, it's, it's limp-wristed garbage that drives people away. It is a truly beautiful and masculine experience that attracts. And then you see the, the antithesis to this, which is uh, now Advent is coming up, and so and then Christmas obviously following it. And, uh, you know, you can expect at this time of year that the various satanic mass churches in Dallas and in Houston and all the other usual suspects oh, will yeah. start putting notices out that uh, they, they do this every year, that they're going to have a what they call black satanic mass. Notice they don't say that they're going to have the black satanic youth band. Uh, right. Yeah, the youth band rock off, right? With, with an altar call. That's right, with an altar call. Uh, it's all they always use. And this is how you know those of you that are that are that are in our Protestant denominations or evangelical. This evangelicals, when you hear me saying, "Well, I can tell you which is the one true holy Catholic and apostolic," and I say that not because it's my opinion, I say that because that is the perennial teaching, and it's unflinching. It doesn't change. It can't ever change. But this is why. They go after Eucharist, and they don't go after the Welches and the Cracker. Yep. It'd be easy I, I, to steal a bunch of, quote, consecrated, close quote, Welch's grape juice little vials with the little saltine cracker in the round saltine cracker. Those are easy to steal. They don't I, want them. Yeah. They know. You know, there was a, a Father Will told a story of uh, one of his sermons uh, of a Satanist. And how the the I want to say that the wife or the or the, the priest was trying to discern because they wanted to have an exorcism, and he goes, "Well, how can you prove that you're possessed or that you know you've been flirting with Satanism and there's something wrong with you?" And the priest and the priest came. It wasn't Father Ripperger, but it was someone like Father Rip comes in and goes, "I can tell you how," and he goes, "Take him out of the room." So he took him out of the room. He went to the tabernacle, got a chaborum that was filled with consecrated hosts, right? Mm -hmm. Then went and got a bag of, of unconsecrated hosts, put 50 of those on a table, and then took one of the consecrated, put it in there, and then jumbled them all up. So bring him back in. And he goes, okay, if you really are satanic and flirting with all this and you're, you're infatuated, obsessed, or possessed, show me which one of the hosts is consecrated. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they knew which one it was because they had marked it some kind of way. And he didn't even hesitate. He looked at him and went, that one right there. And he goes, well, it'll be more specific. Pick it up because I can't. But he pointed to that one. He goes, that one right there. That's how you know yep. that the body and blood, so the, sub, the form still looks the same, right? Right. But there has been a sub, – the substance has changed. Sure. So, um, and Michael and I can talk about this uh, for uh, uh, for a long time, forever. What else are you working on, sir? Well, right now, I'm just trying to raise awareness uh, with regard to our report. 
Um, well, keep doing. We, it. I'll do everything I can to help you. Yeah, we. I mean, uh, what we did, we spent. Gosh, we started this investigation back in May. It took us the better part of six months to really put together all of the information to investigate thoroughly each of these groups. 214 groups we looked through and 66 we found bad. Um, and then, of course, we had to write those reports. And last week, I mean, I was writing an average of seven reports a day based on all the information that we'd collected. And it was just, I mean, I was up till midnight. I was up at six in the morning trying to get these reports out. So um, for right now, it's it's just... We, we've done the hard work. We've done the hard, li the heavy lifting. We're just trying to get people to get these reports into the hands of their bishops, demand answers, and start calling for their bishops to withdraw from the CCHD collection because they have now shown themselves to be completely unwilling to follow their own rules, and they're incapable of doing the proper vetting to make sure that the bad groups aren't getting money. Uh, now, let me ask you one more. Uh, were you in Chicago where Matt Gaspers was for the uh, the, the, the Catholic rally, uh, Unity, and, and Men's March? No, I, w I wasn't there. Okay. You were in the one in, in D.C., though, last year. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, you can find Michael's work. At, and, and look, you should all, if you're listening and you are one of a, a Catholic, a pious Catholic, or tr trying to be, it doesn't mean that you have to be in a Latin match. You know, I get snickering little comments from people all the, all the time when I talk about the beauty of seeing the baptism in a Latin right I'll get somebody who's going, wait, wait, you've done the nose order. It's not done right. It's not up to your standards. Not, there's, a, there's a difference. I mean, that's why they call it a new right. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like Brother Francis talking to the atheist who is admitting he's an atheist, and Brother Francis goes, well, you, you look and you talk like an atheist. And he goes, oh, what do you mean? I look and I talk and I sound like an atheist. He goes, well, if you don't want to look and sound like an atheist, why do you want me to call you one? <laughs> <laughs> so if, 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 if you're distinguishing between the rights and I, just, and I distinguish, then you should tell me all the beautiful things about yours. Or about that version of it. So I'm just relaying to, you, to the audience, as you just helped me do, what is good, true, and beautiful about the uh, uh, about sacred tradition. Um, uh, so anyway, you can find Michael's work and you support him. And I suggest go to the uh, lepantoin.org website, grab the link to the story, or print at least the cover page of the report out. And then bring it to Father McGillicuddy on Sunday and say, Father, Bishop, Bishop McGillicuddy is going to ask us to participate in a CCHD collection coming up sometime this year. Please read this report and ask him to leave the CCHD list of dioceses. It's not right. Uh, and so it's up to the laity now, you know, if, if your clergy or if your hierarchy's not doing it, there's nothing wrong with you suggesting that Father read this or that the other. Uh, and and I, I, I kind of think you have a duty now, since you all of you have heard it now, you have mm -hmm. a duty to take it out and then to see to it that it doesn't happen in your diocese. And no one is a... Um, it's an accidental, but no one is a party to anyone else's sin through the, uh, the campaign for Catholic human development. So um, if you've heard the show now, now you have a duty to go out and spread the word. Thank you. Yes, I, I completely agree.
Well, I, think, I thought that you would. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and you can send me whatever check you wish in the mail for the endorsement. So. <laughs> it's already on the, on the way. <laughs> All right. L-E-P-A-N-T-O-I-N.org. Lepantoin.org. So next time we speak, we'll be firmly into the first week of Advent. Wow. Already. Yeah, look forward to it. We've already got our Advent stuff out. We're ready. <laughs> nice. Very good. I, I'm ready for Advent. I know my gut's ready for Advent. Well, that's what other people are. What is the? It's called. It's a Martin. Um, uh, Martin Tide. What is the fast? There's a fasting regimen. Well, I don't know what it's called. Oh, it has something to do with Saint Martin. I, 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 <laughs> I want to say. In any event, uh, will uh, a blessed Thanksgiving uh, holiday and feast to you and yours next week. And then, as I said, we'll see you on the first Tuesday of Advent. Same to you. God bless you, and God bless your audience. All right, brother. Appreciate it very much. That's Michael Hitchborn of the Lepando Institute at L-A-P-A-N-T-O-I-N dot org. You'll find it right there any day of the week. Okay. What's it called? Did you? Yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I thought it had something, something to do with St. Martin. In any event, Mike Churchill here on the Crusade Channel, always on air, always online, crusadechannel.com. Um, you got to see, okay, there's, we have some stuff in the pile of prep here today. The, the, the pile runneth over. But before I do that, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at bulldogkia.com. For the best deal on a newer used Kia anywhere in North America. As a matter of fact, me have been invited now to admit a colonel, made it official. He said, come on. Maggie and I have been invited to go to the LSU-Georgia SEC championship game. Since LSU is now going to, to be in it. Hey, we'll get to go to, yes. You're going to have to be a people person for a day. Uh, it's a, it's a, it'll be a, a, a great, a great time. But I'm always excited to go to Athens because Athens is one of those little small towns. It's not a big town. I mean, it does have a downtown, but it's one of those small towns in the South that has a certain charm to it, especially when you go downtown. So uh, we always look forward to visiting uh, with the colonels. And uh, you can go visit with them, too. Just go to the website, bulldogkia.com. Get yourself the best deal on a newer used Kia anyway, anywhere in North America. And the purchase score is going to a family-run operation. It's not going to take any profits that they make and plow them into undermining you and your family. <laughs> None of it will be used to bring about evil. So do business with those who do business with us. You know, car dealers are called upon in their communities to... Sponsor all sorts of things, little league baseball and football teams, so, you know, the field, the bowling leagues and everything. Well, I can assure you that the Colonels uh, support the good people of Athens, Georgia, like our friends who serve our coffee when we go do the car giveaways, which we will probably do again this spring. Um, just go to the website. Over 50 pitchers for each car. People like camp pitchers. Financing the whole shebang. If you need any of that, if you got to trade in, they'll take that for you. And they'll also deliver your car. So when you're going like, I can't do Benjamin and TKD. I live in, I live in Texas. They'll drive it to you. They will drive your new car or used car to you, and they'll drive away your trade-in. BulldogKia.com. Call them at 855-BULLDOG. We'll see you at BulldogKia. Tell them that I sent you. This is interesting. 
The Virtues of Smoke-Filled Rooms. <laughs> I'm going to do this, but I wanted uh, to... Uh, this is, that's the title of the story. By the way, my Substack, I had 4,846 subs when I started the program today. So to get to 5,000, because then I could say 5,000 plus people can't be wrong. <laughs> Subscribe. You can subscribe for free or do the paid version, thekingdude.substack.com. Thekingdude.substack.com. I was getting signups every single day since Ann Coulter uh, endorsed the new Christendom Daily. Hope that if you haven't subscribed, that you'll go do so and share it. It's easy to share Substack stuff with a friend. This is just another extension of my work here on the Crusade channel where the bad guys pretty much can't get to it. So a lot of people have retreated to have retreated to Substack to publish. A lot of smart people like Frank Wright, who will be coming up soon for his November appearance, uh, publish at Substack. You can support us there, thekingdude.substack.com. Tell me I sent you. Derek Taylor has this at Crisis Magazine. The rise of bureaugamy, what it means for social conservatives. All caveats about exit polling aside, the data reveals what scholars like Brad Wilcox have been pointing out for a while now. Namely, that there is a major divide between the parties based on marriage. The Democrats are increasingly becoming the party of single women. And I suspect they turned down large numbers last Tuesday because of the abortion issues. And why is that? Because they have been groomed to believe that the purpose of their private parts is for orgasms. And that's it. It ends there. doesn't serve any other purpose. And if it accidentally becomes the dwelling place of a human child, well then, you must then retreat to the ritual, the sacramental ritual of aborting it, We shouldn't call it abortion, though, of murdering it. This takes grooming. It takes a psychop or a psyop to convince millions of American women, young women, every year that that child gestating in their body is somehow theirs. It's somehow, like, connected to their spleen, and and it's them when in fact it has its own separate and distinct DNA, separate and distinct genomic code, separate and distinct, in many instances, blood type. It's another person. So how do you overcome that? You groom them. The grooming begins in the schools. The results of the abortion amendments are disappointing, but this is something religious and social conservatives should have seen coming. Then he gets into a more explanation on that. Uh, and then he mentions, this is an ad that Obama ran back in 2012 called Life of Julia. How many of you remember the abomination that was Life of Julia? Oh, Lord, Maggie will probably find the video because it's still on you, boob, and you'll probably go watch it and go, oh, oh, dude, Really? You know, it shows Julia from cradle all the way to near grave, never being married. It's implied that she aborts a child, never having any children. But don't worry about it because the Obama super state 
was there for her every step of the way to provide Head Start programs when it was a child, to get her to school lunches from Michelle with arugula salad when it was in school, to receive grants to go to college and then continue to get grants and money thrown at it, and then to be employed, and then to be protected and have the right to murder the soon-to-be-born child, and then, of course, to receive free it actually shows her going to a pharmacy and getting contraceptions with Obama paying for them or Obamacare paying for them. It is the grooming of women to never be married, to never have children, and to be single and sexually active for their entire lives. And then he gets into some of the demographics here. Uh, as it turns out, its creators were more prescient than So he's saying the Democrat Party played a long game, which we always talk about. The demons always play the long game. They play to win. They don't take breaks. They're not in co- they don't take coffee breaks. They're not in unions. They don't sleep. They play the long game and they play to win. We seem always to be playing for defense. We should be playing to win too, which is I want out of this system where every two years or every six months, some liberty or freedom of mine is put on this thing called a ballot. People that I don't know get to go vote and take it away from me. When in fact, God has given it to me. Does this sound like something that you wish to remain in? And if you could vote for it, or if you could choose whether or not to enter it today, would you? You know, as I asked the question on the bye-bye Miss American Empire and the Great Blue Heist yesterday about the red drizzle, uh, let me see how I put it. Du, 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 du. <clears throat> Note that when Lanchelotti calls formalities, uh, what Lanchelotti calls formalities of democracy, a term, democracy, we have had shoved down our throats the last six years as if the science of voting must be obeyed. Why? Because it is our faith in the act itself that justifies our political union's existence. And thus our primary right that we gain from its existence. To vote. But if we exist to vote then, per puff daddies, vote or die, then mustn't we vote to exist? And if that's the case in the ruling class to a man, or very confused she-man, insists that it is then voting, that is, democracy, has become all of American citizens' final cause. Supplanting the final, act, actual final cause to love God. This nicely sets up our biennial pilgrimage to the ruling cult of death's mecca, the voting booth. Now, if I printed the above on an application for citizenship, here's the question. Would you take the test swear an oath to protect and defend, and then say the pledge. Pretty simple. Marriage marriage rates have declined precipitously. Today there are more single women in America than ever before, with the current generation slated to become the most unmarried on record. I have a pair of 25-year-old daughters, and I am acutely aware of this. Where might they find good husbands? 
and circles that practice sacred tradition, I would say, is one place. Neither one is applying there. Some of you probably have daughters in the same age group lamenting the same course of action. Then they show women in the U.S. by decade of birth, and the, you know the graph has different lines, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and percent uh, that have ever been married. Well, from the 1990s on, only 31% have ever been married. By contrast, from the 1980s on, um, <clears throat> let's just say age 30, about 60% of them have been married. If you look at the 1960s, uh, at age 30, 70% had been married. So at, at 30%, that's less than half. So what in the hell has happened? Men have been victimized, demonized, have been made impotent. Some of them have volunteered to be made impotent and continue to do so. So it's not just a tragedy of single women. If there's that many single women in that age group, then there must be that many single men. <clears throat> this helps explain Tuesday's outcome and why Catholics and other religious conservatives should be alarmed for the future. In retrospect, what do social and religious conservatives look like? Uh, desperate, uh, 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 what do social or do social and religious conservatives look like? A desperate fear-mongering campaign by Democrats over the Dobbs decision look like? And an existential threat to single women who now take abortion to be a fundamental aspect of their lives. And these women represent a substantial and growing part of the electorate, even in otherwise red states. In effect, for these single women, the post-administrative, the modern administrative state has taken the place that husbands traditionally occupied as provider and protector. That's a really profound observation there. The state has now replaced a husband. If for no other reason, people like us, with daughters my age, need to have that thing bankrupted. It needs to go. But TKD, what about all the others that rely on it? You're not going to have a civilization in the future. It needs to go. Again, voting is the prison. It is the grooming. It is, it's your civic duty. Why can't it just be my civic duty to work toward the common good by living under and acknowledging and accepting God's rights and God's will? Well, that can't be part of the scheme. You're messing. Miniature, please. You're screwing up all the rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. The birth control pill made possible the erasing of the biggest source of inequality between men and women, at least in a modern setting, that of the man's essential irresponsibility with regard to childbirth. Nature and nature's God enabled men to live by a sexual double standard since the dawn of human history. But technology and the legal infrastructure that supports our abortion regime have largely erased it. I'm not the first to point this out, but it is ironic that women have managed to liberate themselves sexually from men only by allying themselves with the greatest patriarch of them all, the modern Leviathan state. The fact that this drive for total sexual equality is a dogma 
among pretty much all of the professional classes, including those who run the almost ubiquitous administrative state, means that social and religious conservatives need to realize the magnitude of the challenge they face. As the number of unmarried and never married women increases, there is going to be increasing pressure on government to protect them from what they perceive as threats to their way of life. This is what Frank Wright has talked about here on this show, but he hasn't talked about his, 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 his specificity to women. I'm going to send this to Frank, and he may want to write a follow-up because he's written about this. If you create this minority class of perpetually whining and entitled louts who think that their, their gender distinction or whatever pronoun it is entitles them to some form of living or to some standard and for some modicum of legal recognition, you're going to have to pay them benefits. Ultimately, you're going to have to subsidize them. And if you subsidize something, what? You get what? More of it. In order to withstand this coming sea change in society, Catholics and their allies are going to have to begin to look at politics in much different terms. By this, I do not mean abandoning electoral politics. Well, you should. Dude, this... You know, I need to write, sit down and take what I've written and send it to Eric Sammons. Like, I want to counter what this, what, what Derek Taylor has written here. Because he's got, everything leading up to his conclusion is correct. But when he says, when he writes, by this I do not mean abandoning electoral politics, but rather to see it the way that the cultural left and social left sees it. In the aftermath of Tuesday's elections, I've heard internet chatter to the effect that elections don't matter anymore, that the hold the left has on institutions has made them irrelevant. This is a mistake. While it is true that neither elections nor politicians will save us, they are still important. The Democrats would not put so much effort into them if they were not. Rather, the cultural left succeeds because they view electoral politics as only one path to power. They know there are other such avenues and have exploited them to the full, which is why they have had so much success altering the beliefs of Americans on a whole range of issues. The reason for this is that the left sees every aspect of society as a potential avenue to power and has no compunction about pursuing those avenues if it aids their cause. Well, you know what, Mr. Taylor, I also think you're making another, it, it, it's not an unforced error, but in my judgment, we need to stop just calling them and throwing this, ew, you're a leftist, you're, you're blue, you're a leftist. They're in cahoots with evil. This is voluntary. They don't, look, they don't run around and wear blue shirts going, look at me, I'm like blue and stuff. But when they're interacting with people that aren't Blue, do they act angelic or do they act demonic? Well, we've never seen a demon up close. You don't need to see one up close to know how acting all demonic EE and stuff goes. Electoral politics cannot possibly solve this. One, two, we're in this pickle. Predominantly as a result of this blind fealty 
this fake sense of duty, it's my civic duty, to do this thing called voting. You know, Andrew Willard Jones wrote a book called Before Church and State. You won't find any record in that book about the golden glory days of Christendom. And there were myriads of problems. There were heresies and heretics and all sorts of abominations. But they had a way to deal with it and didn't involve anyone voting. The buildings that they built, we still look at today and go like, wow, how did they do that? The saints who lived those lives that are canonized today, we still look at them and go like, wow, how did they do that? When's the last time you looked at something in the modern world, in this secular world, and you went, wow, how did they do that? It's more like that you went like, why? Why did they do this? Stop! I'm not trying to be hard on Derek Taylor. I just think that we have to that, that, that we, we, we have to truly be rebels and pursue this from another angle. I know, and then he concludes, I know this conf- offends conservative sense of pair play and their correct intuition that some aspects of life should not, must not be politicized, must not be the subject of some sort of balance of power relations. I share this intuition. But I'm not sure we have much of a choice at this point. We always have a choice, Derek. Come on, man. That's the stress talking. There's always a choice. Promoting marriage and family, pursuing policies and laws, supporting institutions that give support to them is a matter of faith for Catholics and other Christians, obviously. But what Tuesday's election should drive home to them, as it did for me, is that doing so is now very much a political endeavor, very much a matter of power, with direct legal and political consequences, whether we like it or not. Conservatives of all stripes need to get comfortable with the idea of using the power of the state and other institutions to protect their interest and their way of life. Because if they do not, their opponents will use that same power against them. Well, again, I, I'm going to send this to Brother Andre Marie. Let me see if Brother wants to talk about this as a Wisdom Wednesday topic. Using the power of the state and other institutions to protect their interests in their way of life. Well, let me put it another another way. Then what truly is the Christian protecting? And does he need the state to have that protection? He's protecting basically God's rights and God has them. God's rights to command men. There was no administrative super state to enforce the Ten Commandments. (laughs) And it's true that the Israelites kept falling away from them, and then God would go like, all right, all right, I'm going to send snakes. Snakes. Why did that have to be? I'm going to send snakes. They're going to bite you. They're going to kill you. All right, all right, I'm going to open a hole in the ground. You're going to fall in. People are going to see hell. But even when Christ says, hand me the coin of the tribute, looks at it, whose image is on the coin? Caesar's. Well, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God that which is God's. Then there's kind of a separation of church and state, but listen to last week's Wisdom Wednesday where Brother Andre says, but Christ was, the incarnate wisdom was also making another point because he is God. When he says, render unto Caesar those things that are to Caesar, and render unto God the things that are God, he is one-third of the Holy Trinity. 
In any event, you know, I applaud Derek Taylor for his, his, his demographic work. And again, I'm just reaching a different conclusion, guys, gals. It is true that, okay, let's say we have life protections in our state. We should protect them. I don't see that per se as using the power of the administrative or the governmental state to carry it out. Because what we should be striving for is to remove the state or the ballot box and evil people using the ballot box's ability to undermine God's rights and our rights under God. Shouldn't be on ballots to begin with. You know, I, I, I was just thinking, we should have things like we had come, came, came out of the uh, Fellowship of the Klan's Congress in May of this year that many of you attended, which is, you know, in the Dixie region, we determined that we don't want governments doing very much, and we only want people that are, that are property landowners, and you have to have property for, you have to be third-generation property owner before you can go into that little council chamber there and propose anything. In other words, we should be working on restoring and returning everyone that we know in anywhere in any way possible back to the land. And private property ownership and the ownership of land for the purpose. What did Kevin Costner say in episode one of, uh, of, uh, of Yellowstone season five last night? We, Montana is not, I mean, get that speech. It's really good because he says Montana is not your playground. It's not your vacation land. It's our home. And if you want to come here and live on the land and not from it, he said with it, with the land and not on it, then come on. It's a, it, 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 sound, it almost sounded like it came out of Free Farm Friday because he's been elected governor of Montana now. Anyway, let's go to Mr. Barrett, find out what's coming up on today's Barrett Brief. Uh, by the way, Richard, uh, we watched the King of Tulsa last night, uh, and it was a funny moment, Richard, because Midish Chur goes, man, that, 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 uh, uh, the king of Tulsa has a swagger to him. You know what I said, Richard? What? I said, well, baby, I mean, it's, it's Stallone. Of course he has a swagger. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a movie he's, star. He's Stallone. Yeah. Of course he has a swagger. Well, I mean, it, it's it's very noticeable against uh, modern, quote-unquote, actors, younger generations of actors. They just don't have a presence. Oh, dude, I was just ready. And you stole the word. So, Bravo, presence. I mean, he just just towers he over yeah. everyone on screen with him. Yep. I, I love the conversation when they're uh, the second one in the pothouse. You, you can watch it, folks. When the guy's like, uh, when he was trying to talk about how it was illegal or he didn't want to do anything illegal, he was like, you sell pot for a living. <laughs> <laughs> and just the way he delivered the line, it was just perfect. I, I, got, a, I got a really good chuckle out of that. I was like, I got a lot of that. chuckles out of it. Yeah. yeah, from now on, you drive for me. Yeah, <laughs> take this. Go to the dealer. Go get me a black Lincoln Navigator. And pick me up tomorrow to morning at eight a.m. <laughs> like he's afraid of the wrong guy. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You, you, you're afraid of the wrong guy. You're afraid of the wrong guy. <laughs> it, it, and it, and I was explaining yesterday, Mike, and, and you know this from being a writer and now watching it. It's a perfect execution of the fish out of water story. At least this first episode. Because the audience gets to learn about this new environment with him 
And so everything's a shocker. And, and so I, I really did like the way it was put together, at least so far. And that twist, the little uh, the little surprise at the end. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, scene, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's a nice, uh, that's an interesting way to do it. I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I'm looking forward to it next Well, I week. enjoyed it, too, because I was enjoying Sly just, just, just communicating with all these people who are going, ah, he's just some big, big Italian New Yorker or whatever. And I, oh, dude, he's been in prison for 25 years. <laughs> I, wouldn't want, I wouldn't mess with him. Probably... Uh, I enjoyed that too. That twenty-five year gap where he missed everything. He was like, uh, "Can you call me a cab?" She's, and this old lady, he just Uber on he your just phone. Uber on and your phone. He's like, "What's the phone?" Do, he's like, do, you, do you have it on your phone? No, no. The, the funniest <laughs> one is when he's when he's on his way when the when the when his future driver, the cabbie, first picks him up uh, at the airport, and he's looking at all these signs, going like. You know, it'd be funny. It, it would be great. It'd be great if someone invented the device that you could just like search for all this stuff and find it in one place. And, <laughs> the, guy, and the guy goes, "Well, I'd let you do that on mine, but I'm using it to navigate right now." <laughs> yep, yep, yep. All of it. Just all those little funny things that um, that somebody would would have to um, pick up. Really enjoyable. Really enjoyable so far. Hopefully. We'll see where it goes. It was yeah. almost like a more modern version of the very entertaining Fox show that they ultimately canceled, uh, Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. almost... <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and, and as... Um, oh, what was the character's name in Sleepy Hollow? Um, Abby. Uh, is it, you know, Abby the was the cop. I'm talking about um, uh, Ichabod. There's Ichabod. Abby. Ichabod. <laughs> Crane. She just called him Crane. Yep. Oh come on, Crane. You're going to pay that man interest for that? It's usury. The donut holes. <laughs> when he <laughs> lost his mind about the donut holes. <laughs> That's you pay eight percent tax on donut holes. <laughs> <laughs> so the king of, of, of Tulsa. And again, this is not for. I imagine some people going out there. Yeah. I love the Crusade Channel, but I can't stand you and Barrett. You and your embrace of secular evil. You know what, dude? We, I'm not of that world. I'm not in it. I'm of or of it. I'm in it. I just watched it, okay? Yeah. Did, you, did you see the... You're, you're not a Yellowstone guy. No, I'm not. All right, well, if you've been following the Yellowstone, you see that John Dutton has now been elected governor of Montana. And when he gives his speech and he goes, first thing, and he goes, first thing you're going to do, if you're from out of state, 8% tax on all sales. <laughs> if you're from out of state, 8% property tax on all property purchases. If you're any good, he goes down these list of things. Uh, Montana is not your playground. It's not your vacation home. It's where we live. Basically saying, I'm going to run all you. I'm going to do everything I can to get rid of all of you. No wonder red staters love it. That's like my dream. That's my dream governor. Oh, right the, there. All the speech. <laughs> it only lasted 25 seconds of speech, but it was worth playing over and over again. Yep. That's exactly that's the agenda I would love my governor to go into. 8% tax on all y'all suckers. Uh, well, I'll even call it the sucker tax. Well, I don't care. I, I think Texas and Louisiana and all southern states should do what, what I suggested that they do. We should meet in a council. DeSantis can call it. Abbott can go. Uh, Bell Bonaparte, he doesn't have to go. But Jeff Landry can go, future governor yep. of the state. Yep. Uh, can go and can agree on a couple of rules at the state legislature, legislatures to stop the blue wave and the purple uh, the, the purple carpetbaggers from coming in. Make it so that, you know, look, in Congress, you don't get anything to say about who can be our state legislators. Nope. You cannot move into this state 
and run for any elected office anywhere in this state until you have established a residency for eight years, and you cannot hold a statewide office until you have owned property for a decade. At least. At least. That, those are minimum. Oh, and that's me. the other that's, thing. That's the other thing in his speech. He, he said, we're going to pass a law saying that you can't be a member, you can't work in the Montana government unless you've lend, lived here a minimum of 10 years. Yep. So that got rid of his immediate competition because the guy who ran against him was a carpetbagger from New York who just kind of claimed that he lived in Montana, but he was actually living on a vacation home. Mm-hmm. And so Kevin Costner's going, well, we're going to get rid of that SOB. First thing we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's a problem here in Texas. Our new Texas Republican chair, he's a, he's a Bush. He came from Connecticut. So now he's he's uh, he's the chairman of the Texas GOP, and he's he's, carp- he's popping off a lot of the uh, the Mike Pence establishment lines but we know that down here and you know in austin it's very swampy uh for it's for it its own good i mean it went red thank goodness ken paxton's fine but there's a lot of work to be done in the state and i think some of the rules you were talking about um that that dutton was given out i think would go a long way in, in places like austin and dallas and san antonio uh where people are moving in and then a year later or even um, even in some of the the border towns, I was watching a documentary on the border a couple of days ago, um, and I forgot the border towns specifically. But it was a it was a town just up from the border that had a bunch of people move in from California, and then they took over the city council. And the first thing they did, Mike, is they put this new regulation on like HVAC systems, and the and these Texas ranchers are like. The hell are you talking about HVAC systems, man? This thing's been fired for four hundred years. <laughs> and they're like, like, nah, man, you gotta, you know, you have to have the you know, purification nope. levels to make sure that everybody. Yeah, that has the micron yeah. filtration. Yeah. It's, um, it's, <laughs> yep. uh... it's got to be N two thousand. Make sure it's okay. <laughs> Tell you what, we're like, gonna... I breathe dust all day. What are you talking about? What's Tell you what, we're gonna do, Missy. <laughs> you send a regulator or someone out of my farm. I won't kill them when they set foot on the property. I'll give him a warning shot. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But that kind of stuff needs to be cleaned up, and uh, and unfortunately, you're going back and forth with people. I think we have to under, we have to concede until, and it won't be because you've laid it out over the last two days. Until anything getting Maricopa County gets cleaned up, Arizona's a blue state. It is. It's not a purple state no more. It's none of that stuff. It's going to be New Mexico. The way New Mexico is now, Arizona's going to be that way in ten years. Well, and that's just. I hate to say it that way because I love Arizona. But Maricopa County literally is, is determining this, the fate of the entire state. Well, and that's why they have so much uh, mess around with it. So look at the, uh, the, the, the returns. The uh, first-time statewide candidate lady, uh, Michelle Yee or whatever her name is, got elected treasurer, got almost 55% of the vote. Yep. And yet Carrie, uh, yet Carrie Lake is struggling at 49.5% on the same ticket. There was a difference of, well, I can tell you I had it on my calculator earlier. There was a difference of, <clears throat> I see, 2,397,000. I want to say there was a difference of 57,000 votes. So um, uh, an awful lot of people voted down ballot for a Treasury secretary. Yeah, I told Maggie, I'm like, that's like saying I can't wait to go vote for lieutenant governor. That dog catcher, I can't wait. I'm gonna vote for him <laughs> so hard, it's ridiculous. So, um, the, the, the yes, and everything ultimately came down to Maricopa County. You know, people are pointing out, uh, and I believe that this is, of course, that's just a comparative theory. You're an election denier. 
Sure. The places <laughs> where the ballot machines were failing were all in Republican-leaning or, Repu- or, 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 or historical Republican-populated precincts. Yep. The Democrats had their strategy going into the day. Crash the voting machines in Maricopa County and in Yuma County, where there are strong Republican strong, where there are Republican strongholds, where there are tens of thousands of votes. Crash the machines, build the lines up, and then tell the early voters and other people, um, "Sorry, your vote is not going to be tabulated today." But here, go ahead and fill it out and put it in this box. And uh, wink, wink. We'll count it later. You know, another thing they did too, Mike, is when people signed in. And then the voting machines weren't working. They're like, oh, come back later. Yeah, you can't do You can't that, because you signed, you signed in. in there and you leave. It's kind of like leaving a club or something like that. Once you leave, you can't get back in. Yeah, can I get so my that, hand stamped so I can yeah. get back in? <laughs> That's right, yeah. Can I, get a, <laughs> can I get the all night? Can I get the wristband? Yeah, um, can I get a wristband so I can get back in? But they were, they were telling that people. Miss uh, 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 Hamilton sent me a tweet thread. She went through the Maricopa County book, the election book that the poll workers are supposed to have. And none of this stuff is talked about except, like, hey, if you sign in, if you give them their license and you sign the little pad and you, and you say okay and you wait for two hours and you're like, I guess I'll come back later, you can't. But Maricopa County has said, you've already voted. Your, your vote's already been taken because you signed in. So all of this, and this was all done by Bill Gates, not not that Bill Gates, but the other Bill Gates. Yeah, the other Bill, the other, <laughs> the other other white meat, <laughs> the other other Bill Gates, who was a lawyer who was supposed to know all this stuff. Who came out and apologized? Oh, I'm so sorry for all. Yeah, of course you're apologizing two weeks later when you're when all your candidates are in and you will face zero point zero consequences to any of this stuff. And and unfortunately, like I said, none of it's going to change now because the people in charge are the ones that uh, the AG could have stepped in at any time, the governor could have stepped in at any time in Maricopa and been like, "Listen, this whole thing is a mess. Y'all just got to stop what you're doing." But yet, I guess because Ducey he already had his bags uh, packed. He was ready to roll out, uh, and the AG just didn't care either. So, you know, it was a failure from everybody in the Republican government uh, in Arizona that kind of just were fine because their terms were up. They were done, so they didn't really care about what was happening coming down. Yeah, it's a, uh, uh, it's it just, it remains just, I, 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 we're, we keep being told by all of these people, we keep being told that just vote, hope, Cope mm-hmm. and shut up. Better candidates next time, Mike. You just need better candidates. That's all. And, that's right. And I think that's such a what's such a waste of time. Um, and this nonsense here about the uh, uh, about the better candidate about well, you know, uh, you, you know, you you fielded all of these Trump candidates and this and that and the other. But you know, okay, yeah, I I get that. I understand. Trump candidates weren't bad candidates. I, I, I was saying, Carrie Lake is not a bad candidate. She's yeah. only been in broadcasting for 20 years. She's very te- very telegenic, very photogenic. She certainly has no problem getting in front of a microphone and telling anyone what she thinks about anything. That's not... And she, yeah, but she was a MAGA election denier. You know, that's your blue state BS talking. Yeah. Not everyone is a Liz Cheney dupe. Yeah, I agree. Where was the I better candidate that. argument when it was Edwards versus Duke? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but this well, idea. Edwards was a better candidate. Yeah, I mean yeah. that was his fourth term. I mean, he <laughs> was, was a better. But it was candidate. literally a pick between two lesser of two evils. I, I always pick the lesser of two evils. 
Um, but the uh, well, I mean, is it, do you vote for the crook or the clan or the crook? Look, I voted in that election, and I'll never tell you how I voted, but I voted <laughs> in that election twice because I had to vote the first time, and then there was a runoff. Ugh, that's awful. <laughs> it's just, and by that's... the way, speaking of great candidate, you know who the candidate for a Republican candidate for governor, you know who it was in 92, the Duke beat? Buddy Romer. Buddy Romer. Hey, Buddy Romer was a Harvard freaking grad. He's a Rhodes Scholar. He's one of the smartest men that ever lived in this state. But Buddy Romer made the mistake of trying to reform the tax system like a Republican against a bunch of of old uh, old school yellow dog Democrats. And dude, they brought the House of Thunder down on him. But I tell you, the, Romer doesn't get credit for it. But Romer's signal accomplishment was ultimately the campaign. I, I can't remember who led it. That led to Louisiana term limits because it was as a result of all of Romer's reforms getting kiboshed by the guy that had been Lario, whoever had been the Speaker of the House for 35, 40 years. He just kept boop, dead, dead on or up, dead. Um, that led to Louisiana ultimately getting term limits. So now you can only t- uh, two ser- uh, is it two terms as a senator and three terms in the House of Representatives, I want to say. Because Scalise got term limited out, which is why, you know, he sat out for, no, he was representative, representative, senator. He would have been on the way out when he ran for Congress. He'd have been done. So ultimately, uh, sometimes that works actually into your favor. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Uh, it's strange, those little intricacies and those little loopholes or whatever you want to call them in, in election politics. Uh, but uh, with, you know, hearing and listening to you the last couple of days, I agree that um, the, the, the entire system, at this point, folks, it's just a cheat. And, and you can... You can get involved with it if you want it to be a hobby, but <laughs> there's nothing you're not unless you're in a red state right now, you you're not switching any of your blue states. The blue states are blue states, red states are red states, and that's that's how this balkanization is going to it's kinda like a wound. It's gonna scab and then eventually it's gonna break down at some point. Yes, it is. Uh, all right. So, so what, are you, what else are you talking about on the brief today? All right. So Miss uh, Miss Magdalene Rose was supposed to come by today, but she told me she had a conflict, so she'll show up on Thursday. Don't worry, gentlemen. I know. I know you're itching to to hear because oh. she's just she's on Twitter calling anybody who says it's an election fraud a loser and all this other kind of stuff. And so we'll we'll ask her about the her opinion in that matter, um, and uh, and we'll talk about the Gen C stuff and all that on Wednesday. But we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, what happens now on abortion? Uh, an article from the American Thinker. I have a uh, a little bit of a different take on the news out of Washington with the March for Life. Um, so I'll talk about that top of the second hour. Conservatives split on future of mail-in voting and ballot harvesting because they're stupid. Uh, World Cup warning: pork, porn, um, toys for intimacy, and LGBT MAP flags could get you arrested in Qatar. So I have, a fe- I have a theory, Mike. We should send everybody from San Francisco and New York on an all-expense-paid trip to Qatar this year. <laughs> Hopefully, they will never come back. Um, Prime Video is uh, bribing Brazilians to watch Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power with food delivery service coupons. That's how bad it is internationally that nobody is watching this show, that Amazon's trying to, get, trying to bribe them with food coupons. And finally, William Shatner takes on uh, co-star George Takai saying that he is consumed by envy and hate. Well, he is. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's 
but it's uh you know nobody usually they nobody talks about these kind of things they kind of just let them go on so so uh good old shatner coming out making a statement there uh also we're going to talk about what's going on in gun bunny bobart's uh race that thing should have been called last week are you talking about cheating? Talking to, just talking yeah. about Yeah. <clears throat> they got something called ballot curing they got to do right now. You know, uh, uh, George Sakai should be uh, taking cues from William Shatner. Here's my question to you. Do you really want? Yes, I do. Because being a partner in a law firm isn't all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> but the money's good, right? Who are you? Oh, I'm part of the neighborhood crime watch. The way this works is you watch... I commit the crime. Oh, my God. No, no. Uh, no, no. There's no talking. You just give me your watch and wallet now. Here's my problem. You're black. Oh, Mr. Crane! What? I'm Debbie Crane. I'm a big shot. So am I. If you kill me, the headline's gonna be, Black Guy Kills White Big Shot. And that's the last thing we need when we're trying to elect an African-American as president. Dear God. How about if I just blow your brains out right now? That doesn't work for me. That doesn't work, work for, for me. you? Please. Hey. All right, all right. Huh? All right. Watch. Wallet. Gun. Knee. Right foot. <laughs> Left foot. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> thank God yeah. for guns, huh, Jerry? <laughs> yeah. Only in America. <laughs> Sweet land of liberty violence. <laughs> Sweet land. I just love that. Left foot. It's kind of just, right that kind of doesn't work for me. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, I love how he calls the shots. It's great. Wallet. Gun. Right knee. Oh, yeah. yeah. George Takai should be taking lessons from William Shatner. He should. He should. Absolutely. Uh, but unfortunately, George Takai, he's just uh, whatever. But uh, he, we all know he's just a troll on Twitter at this point. He has no other, he has no other value. Uh, oh, he showed up in an in a episode of, uh, of Voyager. He showed up in an episode of Voyager. And um, <clears throat> he's a joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He thrives in uh, he thrives in these digital spaces. Yes, he does. To, that are starting to collapse, as you pointed out, and I pointed out yesterday. These non-value jobs, these fake jobs, and other people are like human resources department. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, all of them, all of these fake made-up jobs to justify MBA courses. Um, and, and that's, that's, it was, it's a cycle, you know, these MBA courses teach about this stuff, about sustainability and human development and all this nonsense. Then these places go into the work, these kids go to the workforce and expecting them. And so these companies are like, uh, okay, uh, I guess we'll, we'll create them. And then it's just a continuing cycle. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, we shall see you in a moment. Yes, sir. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Folks, uh, that's going to do it for us here today. Uh, uh, you know the drill when I close this show. Go shop in the store, please. Maggie needs to really be packing lots of boxes up. Shop.mikechurch.com. And don't tell me there's nothing new. Yes, there is lots new, including even new coffees and new cigars. So shop in the store. Give give memberships away. And if you're listening and you're not a Founders Pass member, what in the Hades is wrong with you, sir, ma'am, you know? Go to crusadechannel.com forward slash go. Go sign up today. Yes, there is a seven-day free trial, but you've already been listening as a freeloader for 70 days. What do you need seven days free? 
just pulled the trigger, bruh. Like William Shatner. CrusadeChannel.com forward slash go. If you are a Founders Pass member, uh, consider an upgrade at CrusadeChannel.com forward slash upgrade. And, of course, keep giving those gift memberships away. Give them away every single day. You can name your own price, whatever you can afford. CrusadeChannel.com forward slash gift. It takes 60 seconds, and you can activate a friend. Your friend could be listening to the Barrett Brief. It's that easy. There's, there is nothing difficult to it. I hope that you will uh, that you will, uh, enact upon all of that today. We'll see you tomorrow for a Wisdom Wednesday with Brother Andre Marie. Yes, I am going up the country. God bless you. Mary keep you. And this guy's still better than Lizzo. you want